Uh, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. That will edit the podcast. Only the hardos that are with us here on YouTube will realize what a gong show it was getting us started today. But uh, what's up? Welcome to the program. Wednesday afternoon, Grey Cup week, ring season in Peg City. Lots coming up in the Grey Cup, and we will also talk about a disappointing night at the office for the Winnipeg Jets last night. Thoroughly beaten by the Carolina Hurricanes. Jets practice today and are off to the West Coast taking on the Seattle Kraken and the Vancouver Canucks on Thursday and Friday. Huge hockey game tonight down at the Ice Cave. Winnipeg Ice and Edmonton Oil Kings, top two teams in Canadian junior hockey. We'll touch on that. But um, Ken Weeb's going to join us. We will get the latest on the Winnipeg Jets. Remus and I will kick that around. And tons on the upcoming Grey Cup on Sunday. Darren bombing a bonfire sports boots on the ground in Hamilton at the coaches' press conference. At practice today, DB is going to join us in about 15 minutes or so with the latest as we get going for Grey Cup week with the Bombers and Thai Cats going at it for 60 minutes for the championship on Sunday afternoon. And of course, we will talk Jets. Kenny Weeb coming up a little bit later on in the program. And to finish it off, the turtle man, Milt Stiegel. The way we were going to do Grey Cup week with the Bombers in the big game without getting Milt on the program. Milt's going to join us in the second hour of the show. Lots to get to coming out of last night. Um, but as we get into it, big thank you to all of our sponsors, including our newest sponsor, the guys over at F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp. Little Brown Jug Brewing, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, the great taste of Canadian club whiskey, and of course, our betting partner at Cool Bet Canada. Um, I'm sure we've given him a moment to decompress after the beginning of the program, and now we will bring in a focused Michael Remus to today's edition of WST. What's up? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, we did a pre-tape before. I thought some settings changed, and we had some issues. Sorry, everyone. Nice haircut, and by Chad, the way, yeah. to move off of the, I know, the the, the the mute button, I'm sure, has already popped in. But, I mean, uh, a fresh look. Uh, you're wearing your Canada uh, Olympic sweater today. Shout out to Damian Warner for winning yeah. the Lou Marsh Award, which was just announced in the last hour or so. Yeah, that was the big news, so we had that, and there was some Jets news as well. Vili Hainala uh, getting the recall, but... And I wasn't too rattled about the issues off the start, but then the chat comes in, and I can't read it because I'm going to get angry. So um, I'm doing okay. Um, we we had uh, we had a good. Uh, actually, we didn't have a good Jets game last night. They got they got. I mean, the score was pretty flattering, four two. You'd think it was a close game. Uh, looking at some of the shot analytic numbers, high danger chances at five on five which was a gross 15-1 to 1 for Carolina. Um, How is that even possible I, in a 60-minute game? Carolina um, doubled the Jets and shot attempts at 5-on-5 five five as well. Um, it just was was horrible. I mean, the Jets had a what five-minute power play to try to get back into the game, and yet again, that power play only was able to muster two shots on a 5-on-5 five five, or five-minute uh, power play. And how many times has, has the power play come up in crucial moments of a game uh, in Edmonton, in overtime, in Calgary, they ended up winning that game, but they had a five-minute from Lucic and couldn't capitalize. Arizona, I mean, the refs just gave them power play after power play. And again, against Carolina. Carolina looked like uh, one of the best teams in the league yesterday. And I'll be honest, I, I kind of thought it was going to be a letdown game headed going in just because of uh, the Wheeler 1000. You, know, you had the rival, then they had the off day. 
And you do know, we getting... think that do we think that the Jets maybe did in fact have too much fun and were not responsible? Was this essentially a hangover game for the Jets coming off of the big night Sunday in Winnipeg? I don't. I'm not going to speculate on uh, on one way or another. I will say it was look, it was emotional high against uh, a rival in the Leafs, dating back to last year, and uh, I think there was definitely a come down from that. And uh, Carolina seemed to be more ready. I think Paul Maurice owned up. Owned up after the game, did he not? Well, he did, but okay, I've got a take on this. Uh, when coaches are very defensive about a bunch of things, um, that's, I think, at a time where maybe they kind of know what's on them. But, for instance, when Paul Maurice said yesterday, you know what, I didn't get the guys prepared well enough, that's on me, that, to me, is completely shielding a team that just wasn't ready to play. And I mean, I guess we can say that, you know, part of that is the coach's decision and the coach's job. I'm far more concerned with what's happening with the special teams right now with the Winnipeg Jets than Paul Maurice getting his team ready to go. These guys are professionals. They knew they had a game going on and they just weren't good enough really right from the first shift of the hockey game. When, I mean, a, fi- a puck finally went in, what, 34 seconds into the game? They could have had two or three uh, before then. I mean, it was just no contest right off the bat. To me, that was Maurice sort of taking a bullet for his club and trying to, you know, change the focus maybe away from where it should have been on a team that, you know, just was not prepared um, to go up against a elite high-level opponent like the Carolina Hurricanes. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'll watch every Canes game, but I see enough of them to know that Rod the Bod has his team ready to go and 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 I don't think Rod the Bod does anything in particular. I think they've built a culture of that group that, I mean, they pretty much know what's going to happen night in and night out. Now, that being said, they've had some struggles recently. They weren't scoring goals. They put six in against the Buffalo Sabres and then came in, and uh, that team was absolutely ready to jump on the hosts who, uh, who just weren't ready last night. So, I don't know. My opinion on that was maybe a little bit of a smokescreen. I think, honestly, when the coach says, oh, you know, it's all on me, put it on me, they're basically trying to deflect and distract, and that's the way I felt it. But it's not to take the coaches and Mr. Paul Maurice out of the equation from last night's game because the questions that we have been asking, we'll continue to ask, and we'll discuss with Ken Weeb is, I mean, what what do they expect to have happen if the special teams do not get better? I mean, last night... You give up two power play goals on three opportunities. And as you mentioned, Remus, a power play that just absolutely sucked the life out of the building in the third period. I want to give a quick shout out to Chris Vermette. He's a regular in the chat. Um, Got a chance to go to the game last night with him and our pal Terry James. And we were sitting right behind the net in the second row, right behind Connor Hellebuck. And I know, Remo, you put out a few of those pictures or um, uh, out on the Instagram feed. I mean, the first period, we were sitting right behind Freddie Anderson. I said this to you before. I pretty much watched the entire first period on the Jumbotron because the entire period was played in the other end. Um, The fact that the game was 2-2 late in the third period, I think, flattered the Winnipeg Jets, but was a great opportunity. Um, But once again, the PK killed him. Josh Morrissey goes to the box. I mean, just almost a comedy. It was comedy, to be honest, what was happening in front of Connor Hellebuck last night. Uh, especially on that third power play, or the third goal on the power play late in the second period to give the Canes the lead. Um, they get another one in the third period, and then of course the huge portion of the game, huge part of the game, a five-minute power play in the third period. And I leaned over to Chris and Terry at the game. 
I believe there was something like 12.21 on the clock when Ian Cole got, you know, nailed for five minutes for the knee on Mark Shifley. And I said, guys, we'll be able to tell you exactly what the story of this game is at the 7.21 mark. And unfortunately, at about eight minutes uh, left, the power play wasn't even finished. I'm like, guys, I think we got our answer. Um, that was the as glorious an opportunity as you will ever get. Um, and the Jets were not up to the challenge. Shout out to the Carolina Hurricanes. Hell of a team. Great penalty killing. Um, but man, I mean, it was just another frustrating night. And when it came to the power play, reminded a lot of people of eight days ago, a game that you just mentioned, Remo, um, with the absolute futility of the power play against Arizona of all teams being a big story coming out of Monday's game. More of the same last night. Like the Jets weren't good enough at five on five to begin with to even win this game, but yet they were in it. But the story of it continues to be special teams killing the Winnipeg Jets because more often than not, they're much better at five on five. The thing that's been consistent right now, certainly over the last three weeks or a month, is that the penalty kill isn't good enough and the power play has been blowing some glorious opportunities and it's ending up with uh, not as many points in the standings as the Winnipeg Jets should have. Yeah, and you look at the Jets' penalty kill among NHL leaders right now, 31st in the league at 66.2%. Sandwiched in between the Canucks, who just fired their entire management team and coaching staff, and the Arizona Coyotes, um, you know, who aren't even trying to win. They're behind the Montreal Canadiens, who just fired the GM as well. And you that's know, quite, not a good neighborhood to be in. Yeah, that's, that's if you're in that neighborhood, you are probably talking about. The draft lottery, mm-hmm. um, you know, think like think about those teams that we just mentioned. Yeah. They are the worst teams in the National Hockey League. Why? Well, that's a big part of it. Um, and it speaks to how good Connor Hellebuck's been, the improved defense, and what the Jets have been more often than not at five on five throughout the year, that they are where they are in the standings despite such horrible special teams. But I'm here to tell you right now that if this doesn't get better and better soon, we're going to be talking about a very different situation than this team probably should be in as a cap team with the talent on it right now. Um, because a lack of success on both special teams um, is deadly. And as much as we'll talk about the power play and, you know, the missed opportunities last night and what's going on with the power play, listen, they did score three times on the P on the PP against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maybe that was a mirage because it had been horrible for the better part of the last three, four weeks going into that game. But I don't know about you, Remus. I'm continually far more concerned with the penalty kill right now uh, because those PK goals going in just suck the life out of the team, the building at times. Um, and they haven't been able to get bailed out by the power play. And man, they've had plenty of opportunities as of late. Yeah. And I mean, you look at a team like Carolina, has third in the league in penalty kill, 87%. I think the common line coming I saw from t- fans on Twitter and social media was. And maybe the Jets should look at Carolina's power play and how they're how aggressive they are because and take some notes because on that Jets five minute power play, I mean, I mean, could they have declined? I, would you ever be, think your team would want to be in a better spot to decline a five minute uh, power play? Has you I mean, texted me that last night? At what point are we just going to get to literally yeah. declining? declining penalties i'm not sure they couldn't they couldn't enter the zone like you got two shots on goal in a five minute power play i think um they definitely missed pionk's right shot as we've talked about how they don't have too many but 
I mean, you have Shifley Wheeler. You should be able to figure something out. I know they did get the one. Um, the Wheeler pass to Shifley um, was was incredible. Not to credit to Dubois and the through the legs goal was uh, was pretty awesome. I thought the Stasny actually sauce pass to Ehlers is getting kind of overlooked too. Really nice pass. Actually, inter- interesting note on that Dubois goal. I mean, it's kind of overshadowed by how mediocre the game was. I mean, that was. I mean, I was screen. I was, was down- ridiculous. I was downstairs watching the game. And I started like reacting pretty loudly, and my wife texted me. She's like, "Everything, everything okay down there?" You even pulled out an all caps tweet, which is not something that I, you usually I, get off the account at Mister Emus. I've never pulled off an all. I mean, it's like pretty cliche. You know, there's a couple cliche style. I do tweets that all the time. That I, I hate, and it is cliche. I, I'll I, cop to that. The one that I hate doing is like when people like do a all caps tweet and then between every word put the clapping hands. Uh, emoji. That, that, I That's the lamest. That. That's the yeah. lamest. Don't do that, please. But yeah, I pulled out an all caps tweet. Actually, one of my friends was at the game, was so excited over the Dubois goal, spilled his beer, and the usher brought him a new one. I couldn't believe that. That is the best customer service yes. I have ever heard at the arena in 11 years of the Winnipeg mm-hmm. Jets. A great goal, yeah. a big cheer, a spilt beer, and they're bailing out a fan. Listen, credit. Whoever that usher is, nominate them for game day staff of the year. Uh, well done. We'll have much more on this game. Ken Weeb's going to join us. Uh, there was a number of other things that happened in the National Hockey League. The Wheel of Justice at NHL Player Safety spun for Jason Spezza, as well as considered Ian Cole. We'll get to all of that a little later on, but we're going to head to Hamilton in just a second and hook up with our man Darren Bombing, who is at Tim Horton's field right now, getting ready for the Bombers. Before we do that, I want to welcome aboard and thank F Apparel for uh, being on board with Winnipeg Sports Talk. Of course, F Apparel, locally owned, an incredible company doing a full line of custom clothing for any occasion. Suits, custom dress shirts, winter jackets, chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, and more. Every guy needs at least one suit that looks good and fits great. And F's custom-made suits will be exactly that and start at just $400. Of course, holidays are here right now. Uh, maybe an F gift card would be a perfect gift. And this month, up until Christmas, if you order F gift cards online at fapparel.com, 15% off. So that $200 gift card will only cost you $170. And if you uh, are finally getting a chance to have a wedding that maybe you've been waiting on for a year or two, wedding parties, 15% off when the group buys their suits from us. A great group of dudes, F Apparel, 190 Smith Street. And check them out online at F, that's E-P-H-F-Apparel.com. Um, our friends at Vita Health are ready for the holidays. And I think a lot of people may be really loading into Vita Health come January when it's time to get our act together and maybe live a little healthier. Um, but 12 months a year, for 85 years, Vita Health Fresh Market has been the place to go for Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at great prices. But while you're entertaining for the holidays, you are going to want to have some non-alcoholic options. They've got some amazing mocktails like the Clever Gin, uh, Pink Gin and Tonic and the Sober Carpenter Beer Series. Um, really great tasting stuff that would be a nice option to have if you are entertaining over the holidays. Seven Winnipeg locations. And while you're there, make sure to check out the amazing grab-and-go deli. My personal favorite, if you're on the run looking for some healthy things to eat, amazing Vita Health sandwiches. 
and incredible salads all ready to go at your local Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. And uh, our friends at Culling and Water, speaking of uh, being healthy, we, it all starts with drinking water, drinking enough water, staying hydrated. And when it comes to water in Southern Manitoba, the Culligan man has been the experts. Family owned 65 years over at 1200 Sargent Avenue. And our friends at Culligan have a lot going on. I mean, the water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, and so much more. But in December right now, um, you got to think about all that you've got on your hands with holiday hosting. The Culligan water softener helps cut down on those hard water stains for sparkling clean sinks, tubs, and showers. Everyone will appreciate it. And not to mention, keeps those hard water stains off your glasses and dishes for a holiday sparkle that even your mother-in-law will love. December special, enjoy Culligan water for $9.99 for the first three months or give the gift of Culligan water for $9.99 for the first three months. Give Keegan the call, guy, Keegan and the call, guys a call at Culligan water, 204-694-5180. Check them out online at drinkculligan.com or see them down at 1200 Sargent Avenue. All right, let's get out to Hamilton. Grey Cup week is upon us. Coaches, press conference this morning. Practice is beginning, and Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports has boots on the ground with coverage all week long. You're going to want to be following on Twitter, at Darren Bombing. You're going to want to be subscribed to Bonfire Sports. And, uh, oh, we lost Darren. Well, we'll see if we can get him back in just a minute. We did have him, and it was a great shot uh, over at Tim Horton's field. Um, been talking to a lot of people out in Hamilton right now. We've got a great piece coming up with... Uh, uh, Bubba over from CHCH TV. He's going to join us tomorrow on the program. Milt Stiegel coming up a little bit later on. And then at 2.30 today, Milt Stiegel, for those of you listening live, for those of you listening on the podcast, in about an hour plus from now, we'll have the Turtle Man on the program with all of his thoughts on the uh, on the big game coming up on Sunday. Um, so now I think we do have DB ready to go. Looking good. A little snow flying out at Tim Horton's field. And uh, as I mentioned, Bombing doing great work with full coverage on Bonfire Sports and his Twitter account at Darren Bombing all week long. Let's bring him in. DB, how's Hamilton? Man, it looks like football weather. A little snow coming on the ground. Snow on the field right now. And I imagine a real buzz about this bombers Cats matchup coming up on Sunday. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good, Hustler. Thanks for having me on. It's beautiful here in Hamilton. Obviously, leaving chilly windy winter peg uh and, and coming here to hamilton uh it, it's a bit of a reprieve it looks colder than it actually is i think it's around minus two right now and uh well honestly it's it's perfect for great cup week because it gives you a little bit of atmosphere right and my friends at the cfl let me come down on the field here at uh, tim horton's field where uh, the 108 great cup will go down on sunday and um honestly we're just kind of getting started, right? Like the cup and the teams arrived on Tuesday here on Wednesday. We got the coaches press conference this morning, chance to talk to some Thai cats, including Jeremiah Mazzoli and Simone Lawrence. Dane Evans uh, spoke as well. He'll start at quarterback and then uh, a couple blue bombers. Uh, they're practicing on a different field right now. I'm sure we'll get into uh, the prep week uh, as it stands. Very different one uh, at great cup this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, um, well, let's talk about the coaches. I mean, this is basically the exact same press conference we had two years ago, except right. the Bombers are coming in as a defending champion. They don't have to talk about a 29-year drought 
Hamilton Tiger Cats do, though, and, you know, it's been interesting talking to people around the Tiger Cats in Southern Ontario all season long, Darren. We've been mentioning that, you know, hosting this game and the fact that they are now the team with the longest Grey Cup drought has been a big part of the narrative around this team, and now they're here. They've got to the game, and I imagine... um, I imagine a lot of the the conversations today with the coaches outside of the sex question, the normal things that we get were about Hamilton persevering through a really up and down season, but coming in as underdogs against a bomber team that has been the class of the league all season long. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Of course, the sex question, the Jim Shaky Hunt memorial question, asking those coaches uh, a bit of a moment of levity and more serious uh, coaches uh, presser. But, um, you know, what's your approach to your team and sex for the Grey Cup week? I liked Orlando Steinhauer's answer uh, today, and that was do what works, do what got you here. Don't change anything now. Um, Of course, when it comes to the Ticats and the Bombers in this matchup, Hustler, it is fascinating because it's almost a complete role reversal and a complete flip from 2019. That was a West-hosted Grey Cup in Calgary. Lots of Blue Bombers fans in attendance there. And the Bombers were the underdog. And they had the chip on their shoulder. And they wanted to, you know, uh, back against the wall, them against the world, and show everybody. And they did it with three road wins on their way to capturing the hardware. This season, it's the Ticats that went through quarterback changes, like Winnipeg did in 2019. Went through a ton of injury and roster churn, uh, like Winnipeg did in 2019. And they come into this Grey Cup underdogs. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure you've been talking to your viewers about the line, where it sits right now, and and where it opened. Um, But I'll be honest, I think that number is probably low compared to what most people here in Hamilton and those around the league think will happen. And that'll be a pretty comfortable Winnipeg Blue Bombers win because they're going to win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. That all said, and, and, and digressing from that, the difference between 2019 and 2020 is a huge one. And that's the Cats are here at home with their home crowd being able to go home and sleep in their own beds Get away from kind of the hustle and bustle and, um, you know, zoo that is Grey Cup week for every team and everybody that's in the Grey Cup city. They get to kind of just do their regular thing, sit in their same meeting rooms, enjoy the same facilities and then go home, uh, have dinner with their family or have dinner, uh, you know, with their significant other or or with their roommate as usual. Um, And I I think that's an advantage uh, that should not be overlooked. Darren, uh, there was a bit of news from Mike O'Shea coming out of this morning. And, um, you know, it was something that we really haven't talked about all season long because it didn't really seem like it was an issue for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But there is, in fact, reportedly one player that couldn't make the trip because he's not allowed to travel. And that, of course, is to a Eli on the Bomber offensive line. Fill us in on what Mike O'Shea had to say and uh, what that means, if anything, for the team going into Sunday. I was actually able to break that story yesterday and the first piece of hard news that came out of Grey Cup week. There was one player, or in the way the Winnipeg Blue Bombers had stated, they were 99% vaccinated. (laughs) So that one individual sure looks to be Tui Ellie. And Michael Shea stated today, very simply and very succinctly, he was not able to travel. A lot of people out there, you know, were replying to my tweet and, and you know, obviously uh, the, the Twitterverse started uh, going on, on this and that and where to place the blame. To be perfectly clear, this is provincial and federal health guidelines new for December 1st. You are not able to travel 
um, interprovincially if you're not vaccinated uh, and, and definitely by air. So he wasn't able to travel with the Blue Bombers. He's not able to play in the game. Tui Ellie is an important player. He is not a starter, but he is that sixth offensive lineman. And when you have a run-heavy team like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, they like to bring him in, bring Jeff Gray in, jumbo packages, bring them in at tight end, goal line with Sean McGuire, so effective because of guys like Tui Ellie. So unfortunate that he's not able to be here. Ultimately, it's his decision and his personal choice to not be vaccinated. Uh, so, you know, you got to live with the consequences. But all that said and done, uh, relatively minor in the mm-hmm. big picture for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers going into the 108th Great Cup. Yeah, as long as the starting five stays healthy, and that will be what everyone will have their fingers crossed. Jeff Gray might be leaned on a little bit more, but um, as far as the guys that will be out there for snap number one, uh, Ellie didn't project to be that guy, so... Um, you know, if you knew one player was going to come off the roster, you know, I, if there's a spot that maybe they could handle it, at least right now, touch wood, it would be the offensive line. Um, give us just an idea about the um, the vibe around both Mike O'Shea and Orlando Steinhauer. I'm interested in your perspective, how Mike O'Shea maybe seemed compared to two years ago when his team was an underdog and he and his entire team and organization was carrying the burden of 29 years without a great cup. Well, as you know, Hustler, I've covered Mike O'Shea daily for seven years now, eight years. Uh, Yeah. So I think it's seven years. I digress. I've gotten to know who he is from an arm's length, right? I don't have a personal relationship with the Blue Bombers head coach, but when you talk to him as often as the media is permitted in Winnipeg, you start to pick up on his character, his personality, his values, uh, and just how he handles situations. I remember watching him in Calgary in 2019. The team won't, you know, uh, state it explicitly, but let's be honest here. A 29-year Grey Cup drought, that was a heavy cloud over the entire Winnipeg Blue Bombers organization. They were playing great football, beating Calgary in Calgary, beating Saskatchewan in Regina, and then going into um, McMahon Stadium for the for the Grey Cup against a powerhouse Hamilton Tiger Cats team. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers were ensuring they were doing everything the right way, and I think Michael Shea was just a little bit more reserved, his first Grey Cup as a head coach. This season, what I saw of, you know, the the visuals of him coming off and going on the plane, uh, arriving in Hamilton, dress shirt, kind of, uh, you know, untucked and very relaxed. And then, you know, happened again today when he sat down with his good friend and former teammate and coaching mate, Orlando Steinauer, head coach of the Ticats, very relaxed, very kicked back. And you could see those two have spent a lot of time together, maybe over a cold one or five, and, uh, you know, uh, just talking football, talking life. They are very close friends, and each of them extremely complimentary to the other. And, you know, I mentioned this to Dustin Nielsen, uh, our good friend, uh, earlier today when I joined his show out in Edmonton, and that's these two teams are back in the Grey Cup two years later for a Grey Cup rematch because they are built the right way the coaches do their job they work on the x's and o's they lead by example but both orlando steinauer and mike o'shea ensure that the locker room and that group of players are a tightly knit group they play for each other they don't play for the coaches Uh, i think obviously that's in their mind to you know do that but um it's all about building that culture of, of continuity and having your teammate next to you and playing for him 
Hey, um, I, I want to get talk bombers with you specifically, but one note on the Ticats that I don't think should surprise anybody. Um, Dane Evans is going to start the game, but it, it is in some ways bizarre how that quarterback situation has progressed through the year. Yes. Masoli, Evans, Watford with a couple wins. Masoli finally at the end of the season seems to really lock down that starting quarterback position. And yet he gets yanked in the first series of the second quarter and Evans doesn't throw an incompletion and the rest is history. Um, just your thoughts on Hamilton's QB situation. And do you think Orlando Steinhauer will have as quick a hook for Evans if things don't go his way as he did for Masoli last week against the Argos? Well, to answer that last part first, no, I don't think the hook will be so quick on Dane Evans. I think they'll give him uh, a good long leash to make things happen because of how good he looked in that Eastern final in the win over the Toronto Argonauts. Um, Jeremiah Mazzoli had a very tumultuous season, um, you know, started the year as the starter, got injured. I think it was, you know, some bruised ribs that kept him out for a while. Evans was in. David Watford, as you mentioned, uh, started a couple games for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. That's when things were like, wow, you know, this this Ticats team came back mostly intact from a you know a, a fantastic 2019 season and here they were in 2021 really struggling out of the gate and through that you know belly of the regular season but Jeremiah Mazzoli really turned things on as you mentioned Hustler in the last you know five six weeks of the season um, but then when the Hamilton Tiger Cats went into Toronto uh, to face the Argos near the end of the regular season and the Argos beat them, I think that maybe changed a lot of opinions on Jeremiah Mazzoli in games that were big and in games maybe where teams weren't being so conservative with their play calling and their playbook and, and those you know creative looks uh, that tend to come out a little bit more closer to playoffs and, and in the playoffs. Mazzoli struggled in that first quarter uh, of the playoff game against, uh, against Toronto and that hook was quick and then what did we see you, you you said it hustler he went 16 to 16 and led that team back from down 12 nothing uh to beat uh, a very good toronto argonauts team so um i expect dane evans to play i expect him to play the whole game i i can't imagine it being unless it's an absolute uh struggle and it could very well be against this blue bombers defense but i think um you know the the way this Ticats offense has been uh, going this year. I, I think they're confident with Dane Evans. And it also goes back to, you know, my last answer about how Orlando Steinhauer builds his football clubs. Talking to Jeremiah Mazzoli today, talking to Dane Evans, um, both of them uh, very supportive of one another. Jeremiah Mazzoli even said the words, I'm proud of him. So true teammates pulling for one another. And mm -hmm. well, that's how, Good football teams are built. That's how you win championships. Darren Baum, got Bonfire Sports in Hamilton, covering the Grey Cup all week, joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, DB, let's talk about the Bombers. Your thoughts on them coming into this game. I, I, comment on this. I really think that what happened in the West Final is actually going to be a blessing for this team because they hadn't really gone through a lot of adversity all year. Um, they had been as close to, um, I don't want to say perfect, but I mean, listen, they had been, you know, they've, held on to the football. They've been amazing defensively. They've taken the ball away. Mm -hmm. All of that didn't happen in the first half, and yet they were still just down three points. They came up big in the fourth quarter. The defense shut it down. The offense moved the football and held on to the football when they had to. And to me, I think they got the scare of their lives in that game against yep. the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And 
considering what we've seen all year, I sure as hell don't expect that to happen two weeks in a row. What do you make of what the Bombers went through against the Riders on Sunday in the cold here in Winnipeg? And what does that do for them trying to defend a championship Sunday? Well, here it is. Objectively speaking, I think the Blue Bombers are going to win on Sunday, and I think they're going to win comfortably. Um, I picked them in 2019 because I watched the way they were playing uh, through that playoff run, and I just thought, you know what? They are going to be on all of their P's and Q's and play a strong football game, which they did uh, in winning in 2019. This season, I see a much more relaxed group. And to answer your question, the Two things, in my opinion, that were the best things to happen to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this season was losing early in the regular season in Toronto to the Argonauts. I think that shook them up a little bit and realized, okay, you know, uh, we have to, you know, play the right way and, and play proper football in order to accomplish what we want to accomplish. And that's a great cup. And then... Yes, that Western final, and with the way the first half went, trailing at halftime, 10-7, the five giveaways, six overall in the game. Uh, The defense is a huge, huge reason why the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were able to weather that Western final storm. Not talking about the actual weather, but, um, Hmm. you know, opportunities for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders with short fields, with the ball in Cody Fajardo's hands a lot. The defense did a great job on the back end uh, in forcing Fajardo to either hold on to the ball, having to run it, uh, or just not, you know, have receivers to find. Um, I expect the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense again to be the reason why they win on Sunday. No doubt Andrew Harris. Well, maybe a doubt, but I don't think there's any doubt Andrew Harris will play on Sunday. He told me after the game uh, against Saskatchewan that he was confident uh, in his health and his ability to play in the Grey Cup. And uh, I, I think it makes a lot of people wonder. I even asked Simone Lawrence this today. Maybe they were just resting Andrew Harris through the regular season for when the games really matter because boy he looked no worse for wear in that western final I imagine he'll have that same fire in his belly on Sunday no, I'm with you Darren um so let's get to the game on Sunday and as far as this matchup go and I mean I, I'm with you I mean I like the Bombers on Sunday I mean I think Hamilton's going to be a very worthy opponent I think the crowd will get into it and they'll certainly be supporting the home team although I do represent I do think the Blue Bomber fans are going to represent well on Sunday But to me, it comes down to this. In 2019, the Bombers kicked the Ticats' ass for 60 minutes on both sides of the line of scrimmage. They really did. And despite, despite, you know, the issues with holding on to the football and some of the weird things that happened in the cold last weekend, the reason why the Bombers won that football game week was because they were absolutely dominant on the line of scrimmage, especially the offensive line of the Bombers, leading Andrew Harris to that great game that he had. How do the Thai Cats handle that? And do they have an answer for the Bombers in the trenches? Because we can talk about the star players all we want, and special teams I think will be a big part of the game and can flip it, turnovers for sure. But to me, it all comes down to hat on hat, winning those individual battles. And the Bombers have done that better than anyone all season long. And I don't know why that would be any different on Sunday. Well, they don't get a lot of the hype, but to me... The stars of this Blue Bombers team are that offensive line. Drew Desjardins paired with Stanley Bryant on the left side of that offensive line. That's an absolute brick wall. Nobody has been able to penetrate that left side all season long. The right side, you got a veteran in Pat Newfeld and another all-star who frankly had as good of a season. I am told by those watching the offensive line closely, 
Jamarcus Hardrick, as good as Stanley Bryant prior to being injured late in the regular season. And that's probably what gave Stanley Bryant the nod for the Blue Bombers' most outstanding offensive lineman. And Friday night, I expect Stanley to win the league award for a record third time and uh, third time in four years. Um, but no question, the line of scrimmage is where the game is going to be won and lost. It doesn't matter if you talk to offensive players or defensive players for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, they reiterate the same thing. They have their own weapon as well, though. Ja'Garrett Davis, in my opinion, has maybe been the best player in the entire CFL in the last month. He has been lights out during the playoffs. He is a defensive end, and he is a thick defensive end, but he's dropping back into coverage, playing pass defense, almost like a safety, uh, and then rushing the quarterback uh, as he has always done, and, and it's really been his trademark through his CFL career. They got a big, good Canadian, a real, very good Canadian, uh, big guy in Ted Laurent in the middle, uh, Julian uh, Hauser, and uh, a whole lot of guys on that defensive line, and then a very, very talented and veteran linebacker in Simone Lawrence, who is going to be 21 on 33. Simone Lawrence on Andrew Harris all uh, afternoon, no question. They have had a lot of good battles through their CFL careers. My gut tells me they don't like each other too much, but uh, that just adds to the uh, the storyline and the lore that is uh, a rematch between the Ticats and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And, uh, you know, shameless plug here, I've got uh, a little piece from Simone Lawrence on Andrew Harris and, and some other things popping up on Bonfire Sports YouTube page in just a few minutes. Well, that's awesome. We'll talk about everything that you've got planned coming up uh, before we finish up here, DB. But to quickly tell us about Ticats practice. There's an interesting tweet that you uh, sent out earlier. Um, they've got the Ticats players on defense, or at least the shadow team, wearing the jerseys of Willie Jefferson, Brandon Alexander, the usual suspects, the guys yeah. that uh, will essentially just run down all the all-stars on the defensive side of the Bombers. <laughs> and uh, it's an interesting way of preparing for this game. Just tell us a bit about what you saw today. Yeah, I hope you can still hear me. we got a uh, snow-clearing uh, tractor coming uh, through here, but a nice little visual behind all me. All good. Uh, uh, so during Ticats practice today, yes, we, we absolutely saw them work on special teams and, and work on their defense. And they did some one versus one or their, their offensive starters and defensive starters going head to head, uh, watching Dane Evans, you know, get his footing on this bit of a slippery field. It's supposed to be much better for Sunday. But uh, that tweet that I sent out, not completely out of the ordinary. I've seen the Blue Bombers do it. I've seen other teams do it in that you put your number twos on defense and you give them pennies with the numbers of the opponent you're expecting to play in the game. So there's the middle linebacker, Adam Big Hill, number four, uh, Kyrie Wilson at weak side. They even had Jonathan Kongbo, uh, that rotational defensive end and Canadian on the Blue Bombers defensive line there as well. Willie Jefferson in five, Brandon Alexander uh, on the back end. I think they had 32, not 37. Maybe they just uh, didn't have that number in the pennies, but two's pretty close to seven. Uh, anyway, it, it's really interesting to watch that because we know the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense. Yeah, they're good up front, but strategically their biggest strength hustler is their versatility their different looks and what we saw in 2019 it was the winnipeg blue bombers offense paul at police changing everything up that's why andrew harris had these huge holes to run through they did things they hadn't done all season this winnipeg blue bombers defense I'm sure will throw a wrench at the Hamilton Tiger Cats that they've never seen before. And for Dane Evans, I think you can almost throw away the tape 
from 2019 or even from the Blue Bombers Saskatchewan Rough Riders game uh, because they're probably going to come at Dane Evans uh, with something different. But no question, whether you're talking the Bombers offense or the Bombers defense, that line of scrimmage is going to be so important. All right, Darren Bobbing with us in Hamilton with Bonfire Sports covering the Grey Cup all week. Um, so, you know, things sort of really got going today. Teams arrived yesterday. Fill us in a little bit on the schedule and uh, what you're going to be paying attention to as we get into Grey Cup weekend over the next couple of days. Yeah, so today was the first practice day. And, you know, as we talked about uh, that coach's press conference in the morning, tonight is uh, the Dave Naylor hosted media party. I think uh, uh, your pal Gary Lawless used to host those at the Grey the Cup Gary weeks. Lawless Memorial. Yes, that's right. So uh, looking forward to that and, uh, you know, seeing some old friends and uh, familiar faces from uh, Grey Cup years gone by. Uh, tomorrow is media day. Now, obviously, with COVID-19 protocols, things will be very different. It used to just kind of be like a big ballroom and it's free for all, you know, 65 Blue Bombers players, all the coaches there. It's going to be much more controlled and, and more of a corral, uh, similar to how, uh, you know, the Olympic Games do it, um, you know, for uh, post-game interviews for athletes. Um, Friday, is the CFL Awards. Zach Kolaris, um, Stanley Bryant, among others, expected to be up on stage uh, receiving trophies for that. Maybe even Adam Bighill for most outstanding defensive player. I think he's got a very, very good chance uh, at that. Uh, and then Saturday is kind of the day where everybody uh, ensures that they're ready for game day. Both the media, the players, the fans really drink it in, uh, pun intended, on <laughs> uh, Saturday uh, ahead of the Grey Cup. But uh, weather here is beautiful. It's chilly today. It's going to rain uh, potentially on Saturday. So this field should look fantastic uh, on Sunday afternoon and into Sunday evening uh, for a great, great cup. I'm personally looking forward to the halftime show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A Hamilton's own Arkells will be in there. I think that was a real popular choice. Now, Darren. Um, oh, I got to say the, Lu the Lumineers, uh, one of my favorite bands, they're going to special guest with, um, with Arkells. Ah, there you go. We're breaking, breaking entertainment news. Great Cup <laughs> halftime entertainment news here on on the program today. Um, but listen, I know how fired up you are to get out there. Uh, we had Walby on yesterday. I mean, he is he wants this game to get going like right now. Um, but we do have a few days. You're going to be doing a ton of work and a ton of content. Fill people in on what you're going to be having at Bonfire Sports. Um, and uh, just give a bit of a plug for all the work you're doing and the great bomber content for bomber fans who are going to be eating up every single second of it before kickoff on Sunday. Yeah, appreciate it, Hustler. When it comes to Chris Walby, we're going to be doing game day Winnipeg. Him anticipating that game, you know, he might be long retired CFL Hall of Famer, but players want to play. So he's waiting for that game uh, with as much anticipation as anybody. Really excited. Uh, Nick Kowalski, for those that follow him, on Twitter and, and read his work on sports interaction and uh, his photography and videography work with the Manitoba Bisons and the Canadian Football League. He's going to join me tomorrow all week long. We're going to be doing analysis pieces, lots of great video content on our social media, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and on our YouTube page, uh, youtube.com slash bonfire sports all throughout the week. Um, and uh, really looking forward to it. This is the thing, Hustler. It's amazing. And I told you this a year ago. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I didn't think I could love Grey Cup Week more, but here I am in Hamilton and I'm uh, loving it uh, more than I ever have. Uh, and hey, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic game on Sunday. This is the third time the Blue Bombers and Ticats have met in the Grey Cup Championship in back-to-back -back years. 
The Bombers won in 1958 and 1959, and then again in 1961, and then the infamous Fog Bowl in 1962. Kenny Plain with that fantastic run through the fog into the end zone, the only championship game that took two days to complete. Um, so Winnipeg, of course, looking for uh, an eighth Grey Cup championship against the Ticats and 12th overall. Just uh, really eye-opening numbers. Hey, last one for you, because I, 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 I'm going to be talking about this throughout the week, but I'm interested in your perspective on it. You just mentioned some of those historic Bomber teams back to the you know the glory days you know that are far, far removed from, from right now. We had a 29-year drought. The Bombers won. We missed a season. They've been the best team in the Canadian Football League on the verge of doing it again. If the Bombers win these back-to-back Cups, what do you think that does to Mike O'Shea's place in Blue Bomber history um, and, and the potential to truly become, uh, you know, a legend, you know, along the likes of, you know, Bud Grant? No question, in my opinion. You know, the job Mike O'Shea has done in seven years in Winnipeg, in changing the culture, in solidifying something that was so tumultuous for so long and bringing this Blue Bombers team back to the remembered glory of the 1980s, the late 50s and early 60s with Kenny Plain. Um, you know, it goes beyond Mike O'Shea, though. Of course, he will be the face, and I think the one most heralded. But, you know, Ted Gavaya and uh, Danny McManus and general manager Kyle Walters, the CEO and president of the Winnipeg Football Club, Wade Miller, all of those individuals deserve a ton of kudos. And, well, frankly, uh, you know, you can spread the, um, you know, the appreciation and you can spread uh, the credit widely around because it's guys like Adam Big Hill and Andrew Harris uh, and a lot of others that um, were instrumental in this Blue Bombers team staying together following a missed 2020 season and having uh, the opportunity to play for another championship uh, again. And, uh, you know, a very, very special time. Uh, to be a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan. I have no question about that, especially with so many Winnipeggers on this team. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, they'll always remember the 2019 team for ending the drought, but if they're able to get it done again, I mean, we will be talking about a legendary period in Blue Bomber history and uh, one more win to go before we can do that. DB, audio is amazing. The video, this shot is so great. People are loving it. They're looking forward looking forward to what you've got the rest of the uh there it is there's the stage <laughs> uh hey it's going to be a great week we're looking forward to what you've got cooking all week long have an awesome time and uh thanks so much for doing this buddy appreciate it hustler stay in touch man and uh thanks as always you got it there's darren bombing go over to youtube right now if you're not listening on the podcast give a sub to bonfire sports and check out what db's got coming up all week long all right we're gonna go from uh the uh, pigskin to the pox more on the jets as they head to the West coast. We'll discuss the recall of Billy Hainala with Ken Weave in just a minute. Uh, before we do that, a big shout out to our friends at Manitoba battery for their support of Winnipeg sports talk. The snow is here, everybody. And it actually has been quite cold. Um, you know, you need to have a good battery for your car in the Winnipeg winters. Don't wait until it's too late. Get the best price on a battery in town. Shop local over at Manitoba Battery, $89.50 with Core Exchange. That's less than Costco, any of the other big uh, big box stores. Or if you need it delivered to you, $104.95. And it will be, uh, along with your Core Exchange, $15 rebate on that. Um, and it's much more than just car batteries, though. Batteries for literally everything. And with snowmobile season pretty much here They've got you hooked up as well. Pretty much every sort of sled, they've got a battery for it, usually priced between $65 and $75. 
Find out more on everything that Manitoba Battery can power for you online at manitobabattery.com. You can give them a call at 204-783-8787 to arrange your battery or delivery. And of course, you can do it in person. Down, Donnie, the maestro, the godfather, all the boys waiting for you over at 1026 Logan Avenue. It's going to be a busy, busy week at Royal Sports. It would be anyways, because Royal is maybe the best store of all time in the city when it comes for sports fans and sports athletes. You can take care of all of your holiday shopping in one stop over at Royal Sports at 750 Pembina Highway. But of course, the Grey Cup is here and uh, Bomber merch is flying off the shelves. Check them out on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina. A ton of slides about what Bomber gear they've got ready for you for the big game. So before the Bombers kick off and look to run it back, pop by Royal Sports. Make sure you've got your blue on for the big game on Sunday. Incredible amount of Jets gear there as well. Almost every team under the sun uh, if it's out there, they've probably got it over at Royal Sports, 750 Pembina Highway. And again, follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina. Great deals and features throughout the holiday season, heading into, of course, a guaranteed massive Boxing Day sale. And our friends at Not Auto Corp are excited for the game. I know Trevor will be out there along with a big crew in Hamilton watching the Bombers try and run it back. Of course, Not Auto Corp, great supporters of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the place to start your search if you're looking for a new vehicle here in Winnipeg. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? You see Milt Stiegel in the commercial right here. Milt, a great Not spokesperson. He's going to join us a little later on, uh, but it's all there at Not Auto Corp, Waverly and McGilvery, or find out more before you start doing anything online at not.ca, as well as all the cool things happening in the new Winnipeg Car Lab. All right. We've got lots to unpack from last night's game as the Jets practice and head to the West Coast for back-to-back -back games against Seattle and Vancouver. And no one better to do that with than our good friend Ken Weeb of Kenny and Rennie fame and, of course, a contributor <laughs> to Sportsnet.ca. Ken, what's up? How are you? Uh, Huss, I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, much like you, it's been a, a fun sports week. A great Sunday. I know you talked about it with Mike McIntyre, the double dip. Uh, that was quite enjoyable to be part of. Uh, not quite as festive an atmosphere inside the glass of the press box at uh, IG Field. But so you went, you were inside, huh? You were inside. <laughs> I'm a bit of a softy hustle, especially one, when I, I had the, the double header day. I was wondering whether you were going to really you know? kind of come up. I, I would have enjoyed uh, being, in the, uh, being in the atmosphere and got a couple of DMs saying, you know, how great is it down at the Rum Hut? I'm like, well, from my perch, it looks pretty good, but uh, uh, no partaking. But uh, man, what an atmosphere. You know what's you funny hear? about that, Ken? You just mentioned the Rum Hut. I mean, usually, I mean, I think everyone knows. I mean, games, you know, bomber games are a big social event, and especially for the younger people that have come more and more out to yeah. games over the past years. Um, you know, that area often you'll look at the game, you'll know how many tickets they sold, you'll know how many people are there, but you've got five or six thousand people over at the Rum Hut. That really wasn't the case on Sunday. And I think it spoke to both the conditions but the intensity of the fans and how much they were supporting that team. It was unlike any Bomber game that I've ever been to, including the one which was incredibly special against the Hamilton Tiger Cats to begin the season after the canceled year. Um, like the atmosphere at that game was just different than anything else because of the stakes that were at hand. I think also because the Riders were the opponent, but what had happened in the first half with all the turnovers 
And uh, I, I still can't get over how great the Winnipeg fans were and the way that they showed up and turned up through incredibly difficult conditions for a full three hours plus cheering their team on to the Grey Cup again. Yeah, it was so impressive to see in Hustle. I mean, I was sitting in the seats during the opener, and like you said, that was kind of Manitoba's biggest social, I think, and especially after the circumstances uh, being you know, coming out of the pandemic and everything like that. But you could hear the building shaking in the press box. It was so impressive to feel the atmosphere in the building. And you're right, there was sort of this overriding, there was some tension in the building for a team that has been so dominant throughout the course of the year because of the turnovers. But then you had Andrew Harris. Not only does he do the job on the field with the 136 yards rushing, nine yards receiving, there he is running up and down the sidelines, firing people up, getting people into it. Uh, I love the atmosphere in there. I thought it was uh, you know, so impressive to see. And it was really a, a resourceful uh, showing by a team that has a lot of resolve because let's let's be honest, Huss, if you put up a six-pack of turnovers in a game, there's not a lot of teams that can overcome that kind of poor ball security, which is something that we know Mike O'Shea prides his team on. And yes, there was some bad luck within those, but at the same time, when you're putting the ball on the carpet, uh, it makes it awfully difficult. And I mean, Zach Kalaros, I mean, man, what a job by him to stay calm. I mean, it would have been frustrating, you know, look, instead of being up 14, nothing, the Bombers were wondering what the heck was going on. Uh, but he was able to, you know, secure those, those two great passes stand out to me. You know, you talked about it with Jeff, Kenny Lawler in the third and the play by Darvin Adams in the fourth quarter under, you know, tough conditions coming up with two big plays to extend drives. And there are two Nick Dembski. Mm-hmm. Obviously nobody felt worse than Dembski having that ball go through his fingertips and into the hands of Ed Ganey. Uh, you know, nobody wanted to be in that end zone going crazier more than him, but they found a way to stay in the game. And, and he's the guy who gets the, uh, the the first down to clinch the game. Uh, Andrew Harris come. I mean, what a story has honestly a guy coming out. He hadn't played <laughs> since week seven, uh, you know, and then later on, Andrew telling the media, Oh, well, by the way, the reason I was back in my Timberland boots is because I had a setback after my amazing practice. Uh, no bigs. I'll just show up on game day and absolutely dominate. And what a job by the offensive line. Oh. I know you talked about it with Darren just now. Uh, this is going to be so great because as we'll get to the caffeinated Sunday game in a second, the one that happened at night, but that there's going to be a lot of beaking and chirping going on between Andrew Harris and Simone Lawrence. It, I'm not sure it will be at Sheldon Keefe, uh, Paul Maurice levels, but we're certainly going to see a lot of intensity from those individuals and everybody else. But man, oh man, what a fun game to watch. And the the ability to dominate on both sides of the uh, line for the Blue Bombers was also critical in that game. But man, to me, Harris was an absolute star. And the circumstances surrounding it make it such an even more impressive feat for a hometown guy in the midst of the best rivalry, you know, in the CFL to have a kind of a moment like that. I mean, uh, that's something that Andrew Harris is going to, he's had a lot of memorable moments. That's something he's going to remember for quite some time. Well, and every single person that, uh, that, you know, that, Grinded it out at the stadium. I will never forget that game. Such a special day. Hey, just before we move on to the pucks, um, uh, do you think they run it back on Sunday? I think so. I mean, I think it's, that was a great, they didn't, the Bombers didn't need a wake up call per se, um, but 
they, they got one. self-inflicted one. They certainly got one. Uh, that's for sure. And there too, like the, the calmness that Mike O'Shea, you, you know, nobody was more disappointed than Mike O'Shea to have six turnovers, but that is a teachable moment. And because their team was so good, they were able to overcome that. And uh, I don't expect the Blue Bombers to uh, to be giving the ball to their opponent very often uh, on Sunday in the rematch. Of course, it's a great storyline for the Thai Cats too. They get a chance for revenge. But as Andrew Harris said in his mic drop moment, let's go. I mean, great. You know, this will be a great game, great atmosphere. And I, I can't wait for Sunday. I think it's going to be a fantastic spectacle. I, I wish I was attending. There was a, there was an outside chance I would would have been right beside uh, Darren bombing uh, and uh, the rest of the Winnipeg media contingent this week in Hamilton, but uh, just didn't come together. So too cold. Uh, I'll be, I'll Too be cold watching at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, I'm I'm a, I'm not a fair weather uh, fair weather watcher. Uh, I'm happy to get out in the cold and enjoy light and enjoy sports. Just busting your balls, Weaver. Um, <laughs> and I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, so listen, I, I, we have to get to t- yesterday's game and what's going ahead. But sure. I mean, you mentioned, I mean, Sunday night was uh, absolutely bananas. Um, a huge win. Uh, nice to see the power play explode. They certainly used it. They were very much due, and I would argue still are. And that'll be part of the last night's game. But um, yeah. Yeah, that was a game that had everything, a lot, including a lot of piss and vinegar from the Toronto Maple Leafs, who pretty much said, screw it, we're losing this game, uh, and came unhinged in the second half. Not to mention a little bit of double duty for NHL player safety. Fill us in on just your thoughts on that spectacle. Yeah, I mean... I- I like the intensity of the game. Uh, there was a lot of uh, action, if you will. Uh, I like it when I like it when these two teams get together. They play enjoyable games. This is nothing new, right? Dating back to the Patrick Line hat trick and the you know head to head with Austin Matthews. Uh, this was another great example. Uh, nobody wants to go back to the North Division and see a team ten times, but y- you got to be kidding me if you don't want to see this more than a home and home matchup. Us, I mean, these two teams should be playing four times a year. Same with Montreal. Uh, there should be some kind of, you know, I, don't, I know the schedule maker already has a difficult job, but these are the kind of matchups. It's like what we saw at the beginning of interleague play with MLB. You got to find a way to have those matchups that mean a little bit more in the markets get to be more frequent. You just don't want this to be a once a year at their place, once a year at at, at your place type of scenario. So uh, I love the intensity. I like it when people are barking at one another. I mean, Gong show, I mean, I think maybe it's a modern day gong show, but I mean, I don't think it was necessarily at gong show levels. I mean, uh, we're young enough to recall a time <laughs> where a gong show meant a full on line brawl or things of that nature. I'm not saying you need to have a Mike Milbury shoe type of incident for it to be <laughs> a gong show, but the, the fact of the matter is there weren't even any real fights. So to me, it did not reach gong show levels. Uh, but it did reach, you know, certainly high intensity levels and some incidents that we're not used to seeing. You saw the two-game suspension for Neil Pionk. You saw Jason Spezza make an awkward run that resulted in a six-game suspension. Uh, and then you saw Wayne Simmons kind of saying, "Awkward well, run." Is that how you just describe the Spezza incident? Awkward an run, awkward man. Run. I mean, he's obviously trying to hit him, but it was so awkward for him as he tried to hit the guy on the ice. There's, I've seen this uh, tweets. Uh, Spezza leading with his knee? Are you kidding me? No, he's trying. He actually just misses. He's trying to go either shoulder or elbow to the head. And it's so awkward because he's trying to hit a guy in full speed on the ice that his knee follows through. He definitely didn't try to stop the knee, but the knee was not the intended principal point of contact. 
He was trying to smoke him in the head with either his elbow or his shoulder, but it was so awkward that when he followed through, he smoked him in the face with his knee. So, I mean, that wasn't really a great response, I don't think. And I know people are going crazy again today with the, the Ian Cole being just assessed to fine, but I, I'm not overly surprised by this. I said this on our post-game show last night. I wouldn't have surprised me if it had been one game, but because there's no injury to Mark Shifley and he's you know fortunate to get up from it, I didn't think it was going to be a two-game suspension. Everyone wanted, you know, eye for an eye. Well, if it's two for Pionk, it's got to be two for Cole. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I know you can't always prove intent, but I think that's part of the issue with what we're seeing from player safety. It's just such a difficult thing to pinpoint, but it's not super surprising. But uh, all to say that game was a lot of fun on Sunday. Uh, It was high octane for both teams. Uh, To be perfectly honest, if the Jets had converted some of their odd man rushes in that second period, I know they had four, but they could have easily put up eight or 10 in that game and it wouldn't have been a surprise. But uh, you're right, the power play needed to get going. It did. They've had five goals in the last three games, which is pretty good considering the two for 30, uh, what was it, two for 34 and three for 38 stretch. But the power play also let them down. Well, not just the power play. Special teams let them down on Tuesday. But uh, sign me up. I can't. I, I'm certainly hoping to be in the building uh, in Toronto at Scotiabank Arena for the rematch in March. I think it's going to be fantastic. We're going to do a we're going to do a Winnipeg sports talk uh, travel group out Perfect. for that game. We'll do the Buffalo game the <laughs> night before, and then we'll there all roll into Scotiabank Arena in a big group. You're going to get a ticket, a flight, a hotel, and a what Neil Pionk jersey to wear. To, to <laughs> well, you better bring some security event. along with you, Huss, if you're, uh, if you're handing out those Neil Pionk jerseys. <laughs> no but, doubt. Uh, so especially get... with the way the fans were acting on the old Twitter machine. Uh, yeah, uh, you like to see the intensity, folks, but... Come on, let's 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 keep things in perspective here. All right, let's keep it in perspective. Um, so considering you know how great the weekend was for the Winnipeg Jets, um, how do you explain last night's performance? Um, did they have too much fun? Were they not responsible after Sunday's game? I mean, uh, that uh, it, listen, there was one team that was far more prepared for what it took to get two points, and uh, it wasn't the home team last night. Yeah, the Jets had really a difficult time getting to speed. And part of the reason was they had zero room on the ice. I mean, it was hard to get up to speed because everywhere you turned, there seemed to be a Hurricanes player impeding your motion forward. Uh, and that's a credit to Rod Brindamore and his charges. I thought they did an exceptional job on the forecheck. We saw it on the first shift of the hockey game, the disruption in the offensive zone. You had a turnover right away with Logan Stanley playing on his offside. Didn't get converted immediately. Thanks to Brendan Dillon, but you know, shot through traffic, seeing eyes single through the wickets. And there you go. It's one, nothing 30 seconds into the game. And that really was a precursor of things to come us. And let's be honest when the, we're looking around up in the press box, when it's a two, two hockey game, you're looking around saying, how are the jets even in this game? They have no business being in this game. Uh, their goaltender kept them in it, despite the 15 to one high danger chance advantage for Carolina at five on five. But I mean, then their special teams absolutely let them down and it became a humongous deflator. Late power play goal for the Carolina Hurricanes, early power play goal for the Carolina Hurricanes, and then a absolutely fruitless five minute power play that not only prevented the Jets from getting any momentum whatsoever, it sapped the life out of the entire building. and. It was very reminiscent, I think, of the major Toluchic in Calgary. Uh, they did not get much going on that power play either. And it was also reminiscent, you know, us in a lot of ways, it bookended the homestand, did it not? Jets explode for 14 goals in the middle, but it, eight minutes and eight seconds on Monday of fruitless power play time, five minutes in the third period 
last night, that really was a microcosm of the, you know, drastic differences in the games on the end versus the two games in the middle. So uh, it was really interesting to see. And, and man, special teams were all over the place. And hey, when we speak about power plays, just the, the only positive for the Jets power play yesterday was an exceptional play by Pierre Oh my Lutu. God, it was, was that- so... Uh, I did notice it in real time, but the reaction in the building to when they showed the replay and the fans who didn't see it in real time going, holy smokes, he went between the legs and still raised the redirection. And then they went absolutely bananas. So, uh, I mean, that was an impressive play. I know a lot of folks were, you know, up in arms about Blake Wheeler on the power play. Well, I mean, he makes an exceptional pass there through the feet of the Carolina Hurricanes player. Did the Hurricanes do a great job of forcing and pressuring Wheeler so that he didn't have a lane most of the night? Absolutely. But man, oh man, uh, that was an impressive play. But uh, Huss, I mean, too, uh, you know, as a natural segue here, I mean, what are we going to see on Thursday? I mean, there's a there's an important recall that has been made, and I'm very curious to see what how that impacts both the defense core and potentially the power play. Well, okay, let's get right to it. Billy Hanel called up earlier today, um, and I know Maurice had said, and maybe you can clarify this because he said sort of yesterday that unless someone was hurt, yeah, they probably weren't going to be calling anyone up for the Seattle game because of some of the issues of COVID and whatever the testing and all that stuff. So where is that at right now? And uh, has things changed just because of how ugly it looked at times? And I mean, I'm a big, big stand guy. I think he's got a great future going forward. But I mean, when you've got a guy like Dylan DeMello that can just move up and play with a guy like Brendan Dill, they played before going up against a team like Carolina. It's certainly, and again, maybe this is Monday morning quarterbacking, but you have to wonder what the heck they were thinking, putting Logan Stanley in that position against Carolina. And, uh, you know, people's worst fears were realized um, last night at the, at the rink. Yeah, I'll start with there. I'm going to get to Hanel in a minute, Huss, but uh, I'm with you. And it's not Monday morning quarterbacking because it was happening in real time. You're kind of I mean, when they when the Jets took the first turn during the morning skate, and I noticed, you know, they go in three and three, so you can't over overthink things. But when the first rolling of the pairings was Stanley on the right side and Dylan on the left, I was kind of like, well, why is Dylan Demello not going with Brendan Dylan? I mean, it's the it's the easier move, it's the safer move. And it's a built-in move because these guys have played together before. I've got absolutely no problem with Paul Maurice wanting to see Logan Stanley in a top four role at some point. But when your team has won three games out of four and really rolling, and you're playing one of the toughest four-checking teams in the league, it's a tough ask to ask Logan Stanley to go on his offside and try to succeed in a lot of ways. So, you know, by the third period, we know Dylan, Brennan Dillon was moved onto the right side and Logan Stanley was back on his natural left side. But I mean, what are they going to do next? I mean, to me, us, we try to play connect the dots all the time. I, I agree with you. I was, I was shocked that the Jets, as soon as Riley Nash won on waivers, why was Billy Hanelin not on a plane to Winnipeg? To be at practice today, that that to me was very baffling. The only reason I could think of was that they weren't planning on playing him against the Seattle Kraken. So, but now when the recall happens, now you're kind of wondering, well, he missed practice now. Were they so disappointed in the results last night that they want to hustle him into the lineup? I mean, does the power play need a boost? Uh, and how is he going to be used? I mean, I think one way you could easily do it would be have DeMello play with Vili Hanela 
And then you have Dylan and Stanley again, but now you use Brennan Dylan on his right side and Stanley on the left. And then you sort of look at maybe more of an, not, not necessarily equal ice time between the second and third pairings, but there won't be that vast disparity. And the other thing I could easily see, I actually quite like Neil, uh, Nate Schmidt on that top pairing. He actually still looks for that shoot first mentality. And then you could have Hanela back on the top and you put Morrissey back in his one-timer spot. But I mean, this all, and this is all predicated on Paul Maurice taking Nathan Beaulieu out of the lineup, mm-hmm. which I think going into yesterday was probably not the plan. Now we're not going to know until Thursday morning's morning skate until we see who stays on late. But I could easily see Hanela playing at least one of the two games. And I think that the the reason the recall happens today instead of tomorrow potentially is because they thought it, w- it was more of an issue than maybe they had anticipated. Can we have uh, Kenny and Randy sportsnet.ca with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily? Maurice, after the game, you know, you could tell he was bent as, I mean, oh, yeah. pretty much anyone, you know, that was either attended the game or took part in the game probably felt afterwards. But at the end, he sort of did the, uh, you know what, the team wasn't prepared. That's on me. What did you think of that? I, I mean, I kind of think that's just trying to deflect from a poor performance from his players that he expected much better. Often when the coaches are saying that, they're... <laughs> kind of getting away from something else. I mean, what did you think about what he had to say? And I mean, as I said, I'm far more concerned from a coaching standpoint of what isn't happening on their special teams than generally the team being ready to play. Um, but, 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 decipher what Maurice had for us after the game, if you would. Yeah, that's on from about page 11 of the coach's playbook and manual, <laughs> but uh, I didn't buy it for one second because we were in the rink in the morning when Paul Maurice told us exactly how the Carolina Hurricanes were going to attack them. So you can't say they weren't ready. They knew exactly what they were facing. So uh, to me, I understand why coaches do that. And, and you're right. I mean, uh, outside of Pierre-Luc Dubois and Nikolai Ehlers, I mean, the Jets did not have a strong contribution from their forward group as a whole. I mean, we know the top line had got things going on the power play, but they struggled yesterday. There's there's no way around that. I mean, it was a tough day on the, whether it was expected goals, whether it was Corsi, whether it was shots against, uh, whether it was zone time. I mean, they didn't generate a whole lot. Uh, yes, they were able to get power play points once again, but the Jets struggled as a whole, and I'm not singling them out. The Jets struggled to get anything going. They only had 18 shots on goal during a homestand when they were frequently in the 40s. Uh, and uh, many of those far more dangerous in those middle two games. So, uh, I mean, I understand why coaches do that. I, I didn't think it was, I mean, I think that that was an example of Paul Maurice didn't, that was Paul Maurice holding back from what he really wanted to say. Uh, mm-hmm. so, I mean, that that's how I interpreted it. Don't you feel the same way? Oh, oh, I, he wasn't about to point fingers at his star players when he was had to be disappointed um, in them not performing the way they had been expected to. I mean, there and there's also, I mean, too, you'll appreciate this too. There is a little bit of a Belichickian feel. I mean, you know, there's a mentor relationship with Paul Maurice and Rod Brindamore. And of course, and of course, the mentor is always going to be pissed when the other team, you know, executes the game plan better against them. Yeah, and that's to uh, take nothing away from what Paul Maurice feels toward Rod Brindamore. I mean, he loves him as a player. He loves him as a person, loves him as a coach. But I mean, you hate to see your team not measure up in the measuring stick games when you well, did prepare them for what was coming. Yeah. You know what? My, what's the Jets record in litmus test games this year? 
I heard you mentioning that yesterday on Kenny well, and Rennie. I'm like, we should go through the list of I all mean, the I would say litmus tests. How are we they doing? They did beat the, the Leafs, and they did take three or four against the Oilers. So I, I don't think the litmus test games are as bad as people No, they've think. actually had a few good litmus, litmus test games. No, that's actually why. I mean, it, it's an interesting combination. You know, a few of the duds, Um, you know, the games that... You know, I wouldn't call the Vancouver game or the Arizona game a litmus test game. Those are games you just simply have to win and they haven't done. But up until this point, in some of those games where you knew that you needed to see the best yeah. of the Winnipeg Jets, they actually brought it, which I think made last night's game that much more disappointing the way they were manhandled in pretty much every aspect. Yeah, it's interesting. I wouldn't say it was similar to the Islander game, but it was similar to the Islander game in the minimal amount that they were able to generate. Right. And the other, I think that Carolina is even more aggressive in all three zones than the, like the Islanders are very good in terms of being aggressive in zone and in the neutral zone. And yes, they can generate on the offensive four check because of the identity line and, you know, Clutterbuck and Martin getting hits on your defenseman. But to me, the Jets did not, they just could not get any speed going through the neutral zone. And that transition game is exactly what we saw from them against the Devils and against the Leafs. And we know they were playing teams at the end of a back-to-back. And we know how hard the Minnesota Wild play right now. I mean, in a lot of ways, the Wild are like the 2019 St. Louis Blues in terms of the physical nature that they exact and the toll you have to pay to play against those teams. So there was an obvious schedule benefit in the middle. But to me, the Jets... We're not patient enough. We've all we've heard about us, how mature, how patient they did not show those qualities in the game against the Carolina Hurricanes. And outside of, you know, Dubois getting to the net uh, on what he thought was a rebound goal and what was actually a miraculous save by Freddie Anderson to sweep. It was a classic karate kid sweep the leg on the goal line for what was going to go in after Nikolai Ehlers shot. And once again, Huss, we should talk about Ehlers quickly. Four goals in his last three games. Uh, the one thing about the line change move that has worked, you and I discussed this last week. I wanted to see what it was going to look like with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Nikolai Ehlers. And I'll tell you right now, it looks pretty darn good. And yes, I understand it was Paul Stastny beating Ehlers on the goal on the four on four, but those two have looked good together. I mean, do they look better than Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois did earlier in the year? Well, maybe not quite yet, but uh, there's something there with those two. And it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, moving forward. Well, and certainly, I mean, you look at the ice time from last night's game, you can make kind of a question as to, you know, how wasn't it maybe the other way around with the way that line was going and what wasn't happening with the uh, with the Connor Shifley Wheeler uh, line, um, certainly at five on five for the majority of the game. Um, So, Ken, moving into these two games, Riley Nash has been claimed off waivers by Tampa. Um, We were expecting a call up and in the short term, it you know, you're replacing Neil Pionk. You need to have another blue liner for these two games. Um, but how open is the door to potentially back that Gus bus up to the Jets dressing room <laughs> and get him into the lineup? Yeah, that sound you hear, that uh, that sound when the uh, the semi is starting to yield back up in the lane there. Uh, we're certainly getting a lot closer to that. Uh, I know a lot of people up in arms. I mean, Tampa Bay is a cap team. The value of a, of a uh, league minimum contract is high. And uh, the facts are that Riley Nash has spent most of his career in the Eastern Conference. Uh, he's played a lot in the same division as Tampa, dating back to his days in Carolina. 
Uh, here's a guy who's a right-hand shot penalty killer. I mean, I understand it didn't Power work. Power play specialist. Kucherov's out <laughs> no, for I the mean, year. I know people are going crazy about that, but uh, I'm not sensing he'll be uh, getting many sniffs uh, on the old power play in Tampa. I know people are mostly being facetious, but uh, here's a veteran guy that sometimes the system just doesn't fit. I mean, I, I think that Riley Nash is a really smart player. Uh, he's a guy that uh, brings some value. He just didn't bring as much value to the Winnipeg Jets as we expected. Whoa. <laughs> Is that Remus backing up the Gus bus? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. Remo, what? Uh, what do we have there? Okay, thank you. Sorry, that, that was that, too loud. That was too that, loud. That, yeah, you think? I gotta get. A, I gotta get a bus sound uh, ready for you guys. Back. You <laughs> need up the, the beep bus. going, uh, Remo. You need the beep. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. We, I'll, I'll, I'll we be also back know. That. Sorry. Uh, so what we also know is that the Jets can't. They don't have the cap space to recall two people at one time right now. If Hanel is here, the Gus bus will wait. Uh, in the uh, starting blocks a little bit longer with the Manitoba Moose. So, but I do think that Nash being claimed does open the door for him to be used. And I've said it again, I've got no issue with how Dominic Toninato is playing for the Winnipeg Jets. He plays hard. He gives the Jets everything that he has. But I think that you add an offensive component to a fourth line that has Jansen Harkins really kind of buzzing right now. And you also have Svechnikov kind of getting back to that game that we saw before. And now, too, with the goal that he scored against the Leafs, that bar down special that we've seen so often in practice, but so little in games, now you have two very confident players. I think that David Gustafson would just add another layer and element to that equation on the offensive side, let alone what he can give you on the penalty kill, which this is miraculous, Huss, and not in a good way. Eight times this year, the Jets have given up multiple power play goals in a game. Eight times in 25 games. It's almost unheard of, Hassan. I mean, that, that's one of the reasons they're 31st in the yeah, NHL. Right, there, but... right down there in the neighborhood with Vancouver Man. and Arizona. Uh, and that's not a good neighborhood to be in, as we talked about off the top of the program. No, that is not the Mr. Rogers neighborhood, I don't think, at this time. But, uh, man, it, it's really confusing in a lot of ways because... I mean, yesterday yesterday's a great example. So we said it earlier. The Jets really didn't have a lot of business being in that game. They got it to 2-2, and you knew they were going to get the next penalty. You had to know it. But that's when a kill is absolutely essential. Instead, you know, they get tied up, and then you think you go to the room even. No, you go to the room down one, and then guess what? There's another penalty to try to kill off. You can't get that killed off. And Vincent Trocek, who was in the middle of everything, it seemed, last night, uh, whether it was you know Ill, an ill-advised you know encounter with Logan Stanley or not, you have to credit him for going to the front of the net and Huss, all the things that we talked about during the week, all the things Paul Maurice talked about, going to the hard areas. Well, that's where Trocek scored. That's where Aho scored. Sebastian Aho is not built uh, like a Greek god. He plays his ass off though. Seven shots on goal, thirteen attempts. Look where his goal comes from. I mean, we'll get to Hellebuck in a minute. And his, his, I thought he was, I know that you think he's the best interview in the league. And this was another great soliloquy from Hellebuck after the game. But Ajo's willingness and ability to get to the net and then dislodge the puck from the pad when it was partially covered, uh, that's an exceptional play by a guy who used a lot of centrifugal force, even though he's not a big guy. He went to the hard areas and he was rewarded for it. Can can Paul Maurice do for Mark Shifley and and Kyle Connor? His defense, I think, has done that, especially when he was playing with Dubois. It seemed I'm not sure whether they're getting a lot of that right now with Shifley and Wheeler. 
of going to the net because I think he knew that Dubois was taking the puck right. to the net and he ended up getting, I mean, they weren't all beautiful tic-tac-toe plays. He got a few dirty ones, but um, it, it, is it possible to get that line, particularly those top players, if they're going to be playing those top minutes to play a little bit more like that? Yeah, it's interesting, Huss. I mean, I think that video, that's a video that gets shown, but I don't know that you can, you know, I don't know that that's a teachable quality. You have to want to go to those areas. And I think in a lot of ways, Mark Scheifele's success has not come on that front. And, and it, But he does some other things that are exceptional that other people cannot do, whether it comes to puck distribution or show, shooting. Uh, I just don't think it comes naturally. The reason I bring that up, the reason I bring that up is because, hey, it's great to be in running and gun oh, yeah. games where you got tons of room and stuff. But you know what? If you want to win, you're going to have to go through and beat teams like Carolina. And the bottom line is, um, you know, if you don't do the sort of things that you just described Aho doing, um, you're going to be 15 to one down in high danger scoring chances at the end of a game and have no business winning. Yeah, no, it's an interesting concept, Hassan. I think it's it's something where the Jets are kind of, I wouldn't say they're caught in the middle, but they're in an area where they still haven't found that happy zone balance yet, right? So some nights, you know, they have the pretty goals. They scored, I think, what, five or six, maybe eight goals off the rush. Um, and, you know, you do get rewarded on some in tight, but you have to do it a little bit more. I mean, the, the, greasy, Nate, the greasy goal element has to be there because those are the kind of goals that help you win in the playoffs. So I think the Jets are still trying to find that balance. I don't think that they're uh, afraid to go to that area, but I do think that there is sometimes still a little bit too much of a reliance on the skill factor, and they're going to have to get their noses a little bit dirtier in order to score a few more of those goals, especially when you play teams like Carolina, who are among the best defensive teams in the National Hockey League. And the other thing about last night, Huss, um, the Carolina Hurricanes were missing two of their top five defensemen, I think, last night. And Brett Pesci is a top-pairing guy. So, I mean, they could be even better and more mobile on the back end than they even were last night. And that's to take nothing away from the players that were in their lineup. Yeah, well, they didn't need those guys last night. They were more, <laughs> they were fine. They were fine. Um, So, Villianel comes up. I mean, whether he plays in Seattle or in Vancouver, let's assume he gets into a game. Ken, if he has a great game, if he looks <laughs> phenomenal out there, what happens? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, there's there's so many kind of ping pong balls uh, floating around the air right now, Huss, especially when it comes to Neil Pionk's health. I mean, when you're looking at a concussion and a knee to the head, there's really no way of knowing. I mean, these things could, you know, that could be over in a week or it could linger. I mean, and because we don't know what the answer is going to be and we're not going to know the answer for quite some time. I mean, the Jets in some ways are fortunate that they have the extended break between the game on Friday and then the game against the Buffalo Sabres. But, I mean, there's not a lot of practice time coming. With a back-to-back, there will be basically no practice time on this road trip. Jets are using Saturday as a travel day and taking Sunday off. So, I mean, even if you think, well, you get Hanel out on the road, we might get a few practices. And Well, he's going to get a morning skate in, and then he might skate on Friday again. But, there's no structured practice. There's no time for the power play to work. Uh, maybe they'll work on it briefly tomorrow morning at the morning skate, but uh, it, it's a bit of a strange stretch. And and I don't know exactly what what way it's going to happen. I mean, would it be would it surprise you if the Jets left Nathan Beaulieu in the lineup? Well, no. I mean, Paul Maurice is not afraid to lean on veteran guys, but I think they're definitely considering using Hanela. And I, I you could easily make the case for it. 
Uh, obviously, he's been almost a point-of-game player. His underlying metrics have been very good. Uh, there are parts of Vili Hainala's game that still need improvement for the NHL level, but there is a certain skill set that he has that translates well, and it was something the Jets did not do well yesterday. I mean, they're not playing the Carolina Hurricanes, but they're going to be playing a structured Seattle Kraken team on Thursday or Thursday night, and I think that the puck-moving ability could help them in that game. So I think there is a chance that we do see him. And Hus, I'm, I'm trying to read your mind here. I know we're getting late, but, uh, and I'm with you. I mean, I listened to you and Mike yesterday. I don't have any idea when Eric Comrie is going to be in. I think he's going to be in for one of them. But I mean, I think the Jets, there would be some, some interest in using him on Thursday night, but I don't know. Can the Jets afford to roll with the backup in a game where points have been so tight and they're below the line? I mean, man, it's, it's a, I, you can't, you're right. You can't play Hellbuck every single night. And that's not a knock on Eric Comrie, but the games in game 26, they're so important that I'm very curious to see if they use Hellebuck in, you know, against the Canucks who obviously got a bump from Bruce Boudreaux's first game, or if they use him against the Kraken who had played a lot better lately after that rough start. No doubt about it. Hey, listen, before we go, a uh, couple late night games, which means late night KNR on <laughs> Thursday and Friday night. Are you guys doing a weekly show right now? I know Randy's going out to uh, cover the BOG. Yeah, sorry. We have not quite got into our full rhythm there in terms of the uh, Thursday long form shows. We uh, Because Sean is going to be in Florida, we will not have a uh, Kenny and Rennie long form this week. We'll have the two post game shows late and uh, then we'll kind of get back on our regular uh, sequence there the following week. Uh, we got some fun stuff coming up. I think we might have John Morosi uh, from MLB Network and NHL.com coming up, I think on the 16th, not fully locked and loaded. And then Tara Sloan is going uh, from. Uh, Hometown Hockey and Sportsnet will join us on December 30th. So uh, we got some fun shows coming up and yeah, fun time on a lot of fronts, Huss, right? In the sports world and, uh, you know, the ice are playing a big game here tonight. They made a big trade this week. Uh, are you going got, tonight? Uh, no, I, I am actually going to get back on the ice myself tonight. Uh, got to get, it's a, we'll call it a mental health day. Good to get on the ice, uh, get on the blades and uh, fire things around. But uh, I know it's going to be a fun, uh, fun atmosphere there uh, with the ice playing Edmonton, uh, I think it'll, it's another team that really kind of loaded up with some moves here. And then obviously uh, you're going to have Milt coming in right away to, to load, load up the Grey Cup. But it uh, should be a fun week all around for all kinds of folks, whether you're going down to make the trip to Hamilton or, or catching it at a, a Grey Cup party around the city. It should be a fantastic week for everyone. Yeah, no, it's going to be awesome. We'll be at that game tonight. And uh, check out Kenny's Twitter at Weebs World if you want to go to the game. I think uh, the KNR tickle trunk might be loaded up for this evening. <laughs> indeed, yeah, have indeed. a good one, man. I'll look forward to the shows after the games on Thursday and Friday night. Thanks for having me, Huss. Enjoy the rest of the week and uh, obviously enjoy the cup. You got it. Uh, there's Ken Weeb. Uh, Milt Stiegel coming up right now. Uh, Great cup on Sunday. I'm seeing people in chat already planning what they're eating, what they're drinking. We know what you're going to be drinking. Get on down to Little Brown Jug and load up for the big game. And while you're there on William Avenue, check out all the great gift ideas for the holidays. And uh, if you don't want to get downtown, you can check them out online at littlebrownjug.ca. They've got the new five-year anniversary brew, the Brute IPA. And they've also got brand new toques and great curated gift boxes by the folks at Little Brown Jug or ones that you can do yourself. William Avenue is the place to be or online at littlebrownjug.ca and make sure you've got your stock in 1919. And maybe that celebratory one to crack 
hopefully after the Bombers get it done on the weekend. Our friends at Princess Auto were fired up. Great teammates of the game for the Bombers. It was you, the fans, with the way that you showed out on Sunday at IG Field in just such a memorable game. Princess Auto, of course, proud sponsors of the Bombers and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. And might I suggest an amazing place to do a little Christmas shopping for uh, that person in the family or in your circle that loves to uh, work on cool things. A very, very great spot. Two locations in Winnipeg, and you can shop online 24-365 at princessauto.com. And, uh, well, Sunday, if you're not out in Hamilton Maybe the next best place to be is at your local Boston pizza, getting together with friends, enjoying those great Boston pizzas, Boston's wings, ice cold schooners, and the big game on all the screens with the big sound. Boston pizza, bringing people together wherever you're at. And if you are staying home, you know, you don't want to be worrying about cooking. Hit them up online at bostonpizza.com or call your local BP and get all the great taste of Boston pizza delivered hot and ready to your Grey Cup party. All right, speaking of Grey Cup, Let's get back to the hammer. We can't talk about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers going for another championship without the man, the turtle man himself. Last seen earlier in the show, ripping through not Autocorp in one of the great commercials that we've seen from Milton, <laughs> his long, illustrious career. Let's bring him in. The turtle man is back on Winnipeg Sports Talk, Milt Stiegel. Milt, thanks so much for doing this. How are you? I'm doing great. Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah, we can hear you fine. We can hear you fine. You're sounding great. Okay. You're looking even right. better, as usual. We've come to expect that at this point, Milt. Uh, <laughs> you know, before we get to the game on the weekend, um, you know, as a guy that played for so long in Winnipeg, what did you think about that scene, both on the field and in the stands here in some extreme cold in Winnipeg for one of the most memorable games I think any Winnipeg fans has ever been a part of? It's amazing. It's amazing to watch. Uh, of course, I wish I could be there experiencing it, but uh, for those players and those fans, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Uh, I tell all young guys, you know, soak in the moments, you know, be in the moment, enjoy it as much as you can, because uh, football life and life just goes by so fast. So all, hopefully all those fans and those players and everyone involved just soak in all these moments because you don't know what tomorrow brings. So enjoy it as they come. Well, the crowd brought it for three hours plus. Um, if you're anyone that was in the stands, I mean, it basically turned into an impromptu dance party just because people had to keep moving to stay warm and shout it for the yeah. DJ for making it such a great atmosphere. It wasn't a great full 60 minutes for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, right. but great teams find a way to win. I mean, just your thoughts on what they went through, the uncharacteristic turnovers in the first half, but the way they controlled the line of scrimmage and the way they ended up having their arm raised and moving on to Hamilton. Well, let me first by asking, uh, hopefully you weren't dancing. Hopefully you were just up moving around because oh. I don't want to see you dance. So I would shock I'll, you, I'll, I'll Milt. Leave it I that, would bro. shock <laughs> you, Milt. You know what? It's, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know whether we'll do a full Grey Cup dance off, but uh, yes, it was mostly for self-preservation and keeping warm. But uh, in all honesty, it was just absolutely a lot of fun because I think that despite what happened in the first half, the fans of the Blue Bombers, and the Bombers earned this throughout this season and going back to winning the championship in, 19, in 2019, I think earned that sort of confidence from the fans. And even with yes. a five-turnover performance in the first half, the team was still only down three points, and I think there was still a level of excitement and confidence that this team was going to end up on the right side of the scoreboard after 60. 
that, that that's actually pretty good for for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because you think about it for the most part they really haven't faced any adversity during the season. I mean they they had one loss to the Argos, but besides that they've controlled the game. So the fact that they had to go through that and they were able to able to come out on the right end, uh, that's a positive. But if I'm opposing team, especially the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and I'm looking at that, you know, you start thinking to yourself, you don't want to publicly say this. What does it take to beat this team? I mean, they they surrendered, what, five, six turnovers, and, and they still come out on top? So it's difficult from opposing team looking at that and saying, okay, you almost have to play a flawless game to give your chance, yourself an opportunity to win this game because those Bombers are tough. We know they're built around that defense and that running game with Andrew Harris, but they can beat you in other ways if need be. So uh, I'm looking forward to a good game, of course. I would love for the Bombers to win, but at the end of the day, uh, being a TSN analyst, we all hope for just that high-scoring, entertaining game. Yeah, well, we'll see. Not a lot of teams have scored very much on the Blue Bombers this season, and that is going to be a huge <laughs> challenge of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I mean, just your thoughts on Hamilton coming in. I mean, Dane Evans now the starter after Masoli started the East Final, got a quick hook from Orlando Steinhauer, and, uh, you know, of course, some unfinished business for a team that expected to win two years ago when we were all in Calgary. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the script is flipped, as we've been saying. You know, in 2019, Hamilton was the favorite, and, and, and the Blue Bombers were the underdogs, and they came in and shocked them. And uh, we've been hearing all week, that's what the Tiger Cats are going to try to do. Easier said than done, uh, but they have the talent. You know, they have Dane Evans now as their guy. Orlando Steinauer made that announcement today, and he could have made that announcement two seconds before the game, and everyone knew who was going to be the starting quarterback. But I think the key to their to their team and, and it's not to garrett davis and that defense it's the running back don jackson i think once he gets going that team really feeds off of him he's a special running back he's tough he's shifty he can make plays out of the backfield so i think the key for them winning this game has to be don jackson you saw the one game that legitimately that the bombers lost to the uh to the argonauts it was because of their running back dj foster controlled that game so don jackson is going to have to do the same for those uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats to have an opportunity to win. Well, it's funny you bring that up because I mean we have been talking about it. We've had some people in Hamilton discussing Jackson and how diversified you know the, the the player that he is. But I mean to me, Milt, and I mean this is no offense to the great receivers out there and running backs and DBs. We talk about football often being hat on hat and determined on the line of scrimmage. That was the why the Bombers won in 2019. They absolutely dominated on both sides of the football on the line of scrimmage and they've done that all season long. And even when they were turning the football over on Sunday, it seemed like they were owning that challenge against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Plain and simple. Can the Tiger Cats hang with the Bombers on the line of scrimmage, both up against that incredible offensive line and what the Bombers front is going to be bringing led by Jeff Coat and Willie J. Willie J. It, it won't be an easy test, but uh, <laughs> um, greater things than that have been accomplished. And they're going to have to, as you said, and no disrespect to receivers, I understand. Uh, I have no problem with that because the game is one in the trenches. They're going to have to control the trenches. If not both sides, at least try to control it on one side. We've seen what they've been able to do in the playoffs with their defensive line, starting with Ja'Garrett Davis. I think he has four sacks, and that's been a big reason, especially the big reason why that won that first game and a big reason why they were able to win uh, the finals because of that defensive line, Ja'Garrett Davis and Hauser and Wynn and, and, and Laurent. And now their offensive line is going to have to play even better because this will be the best defensive line they face by far. You know, they they haven't play, played against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers since the opening game. And in that game, of course, 
uh, Don Jackson was not on the field. So they're counting on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers haven't have not seen Don Jackson yet. Maybe he will be able to surprise them, but he won't be able to surprise them if they can't open up the holes and block for him. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. The Hamilton Tire Cats that I just alluded to, they would love to win both sides of the line of scrimmage, but at least one side, they have to find a way to dominate if they want to have an opportunity. You know, you mentioned what the Bombers went through the adversity last week and, you know, how that might actually help them be as prepared as possible for the game on Sunday. But I'm interested in your perspective on the Ticats, who, you know, had a very disappointing end of the 2019 season. The 20 seasons was canceled. They came in to IG Field in game one of the regular season as favorites. I think a lot of people thought that, okay, they had a bad day, but they'll be there. And it's been an up and down throughout the entire season with the backdrop of the pressure of getting to the Grey Cup on home soil. Mm-hmm. Now that they're here, what does the the trials and tribulations the Ticats have been to, does that help them prepare for their biggest test of the season? It helps. It helps. But if you don't have the talent to get it done against the Bombers, <laughs> it really doesn't matter. You know, you can use all the motivation you want. You, you could be playing in, in, in your home field. You could have all the stuff you need. But... At the end of the day, as they always say, you have to have the talent on the field to compete. And sometimes not having the best talent, but working the hardest, taking advantage of those opportunities, unlike the Saskatchewan Rough Riders did. I mean, if you have a game where you can force a team to five or six turnovers and you don't win, that means you just didn't take advantage of your opportunities. If the Hamilton Tire Cats, if they do get those opportunities, even if they don't have the best talent, if they can take advantage of two or three of them, they could win the game. You know, unlike other professional sports where you have to win numerous games to win a championship, it's just one in football. And it could be one quarter you have to win or four or five plays you have to win. So that opportunity is still there for them, but they have to play a great game. Based on what we've seen out of these Bombers this year, if your game is not almost flawless and no one plays a perfect game, but it needs to be near that to beat these Bombers. Do they have the talent to do that? We're going to see. They're going to use the fans. They're going to use everything they have playing at home to their advantage and we're going to see if it works for them milt steagle of tsn blue bomber great joining us on winnipeg sports talk as we get ready for the gray cup on sunday afternoon and rematch of the 2019 game between the bombers and the hamilton tiger cats this time it is in hamilton as a home team how impactful is that milt uh, if at all i mean there'll be more ticat fans and bomber fans i'm sure they'll be loud they're excited and then there's also gray cup week with them being at home, sleeping in their own beds. I mean, do you make much of the fact that the Ticats are at home? And if so, how much of an advantage is it? It can work towards their advantage if they could get out on a good start. Uh, When you're at home and you get off to a good start, uh, the opposing team, it it starts to wear on you a little bit. It could feel literally like they're 13, 14 individuals on each side of the ball. If they can't get out to an early start, I mean, it's a mute point. You know, it means nothing. You know, then it's hard, it's difficult for the fans to get into the game. But if those Tiger Cats can come out offensively and defensively or whatever it may be, special teams, and start making some plays and feed off that crowd and get the crowd involved, it's going to be difficult uh, from a Blue Bomber standpoint. But they have to take full advantage of that. Of course, they're at home, and it's the best thing in the world. Who would not want to be at home playing in the Grey Cup? Of course, everyone during the regular season loves to play at home, but playing at home during the Grey Cup, Uh, We haven't seen it since the 2013 Saskatchewan Rough Riders were able to do it, and we saw the outcome of that against the Hampton Tire Cats. So if they can get off to a good start, get those fans behind them, 
that goes a long way of giving them an opportunity to win this uh, this Grey Cup on Sunday. Hey, and Milt, um, I believe Friday night is when they're going to be handing out the CFL awards. How many Bombers do you think will be coming up to the podium to uh, grab uh, outstanding player awards, whether it be Zach Calero, Stanley Bryant, of course, Adam Bighill on the defensive side of the football? There you go right there. I think I think those three uh, are pretty much uh, shoe-ins. If not, I mean, I understand people vote for other individuals, but based on what happened during the year, those three, are they, they should win their awards. Uh, top lineman, uh, defense, and, and, and MOP. Uh, there's no questions, and I'm not being biased. Uh, I look at every single game. I break down the game. You look at stats, and those guys dominated uh, in their position. So those three guys should definitely win. Uh, if they don't, it, it, it will be uh, it will be you know asinine to say that, but. I'm just about, I'll, I'll guarantee that they're going to win. And those three guys. Well, the funniest thing is maybe the toughest decision all year long when people were trying to decide of who would, you know, the awards was who is the most outstanding defensive player on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I mean, yes. you can make yes. an argument yes. for Big Hill, Willie Jefferson, Jackson Jeffcoat, Brandon Alexander. I mean, there were so many. And I think if Big Hill wins it, um, certainly, I mean, people had to pick one guy. You couldn't send them all out, but. Um, it'll be as close to a team award, I think, as we've seen in a long time. Yeah, and, and we talked off camera, especially one of our producers, uh, Jamie Rydell, he talked about how that these awards should just be based on uh, stats and not because you're in the Eastern Division or you're in Western Division or if you're on this team. It basically should be just the best players at that position, regardless of division, regardless of team, and let 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 the reporters and whoever else is voting, voting on that. So if you have three MOP, the top three MOP candidates from the same team, let those individuals be your candidates instead of separating because Adam Big Hill is going up against Simone Lawrence. Uh, 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 Zach Kolaris is going against, who is he going against? Uh, Standback. Uh, yeah, Standback, come on. Standback had a great year, but it was nowhere near what Zach was able to do. So that's the problem we have with that. It should be the best players, regardless of what team or what division they're in. Uh, Milt Stiegel with this here. Hey, one more. I know you're, I mean, you played here for so long. You know how important the Blue Bombers are to this community, and you've got a pretty good idea about the history of this organization. If Mike O'Shea is able to win this game, have back-to-back -back championships after that 29-year drought, what do you think that does to the place of O'Shea in Blue Bomber history, still hopefully early in his career here uh, on the sidelines in the peg? Wow, my name shucks. He may get a street next to Mill Steagle Drive. You never know, man. <laughs> and and you know what? You and you have to look at his entire career. Remember those first few years? There were a lot of people saying, "Okay, Mike, this is not the job for him." But he stayed the course. Wade Miller stayed the course with all those guys, and they figured it out. And you look where they are now. I mean, that's just a testament uh, to the drive, to the type of not only coach, but the type of individual he is. Where. Everyone bought in eventually once he started figuring things out. So if he can pull this one off, I mean, he, he he's right there with the with the top coaches in Winnipeg Blue Bomber history. You have to consider him. And after he wins this one, if he can, I mean, the train just keeps going. I don't see why he, he can't win many more. So uh, it's great to hear that he will uh, hopefully win this game and be up there with those top ones because he stood the test of time he went through a lot early on in his career, and now he's reaping uh, uh, the fruit of all those all those things he was able to put out there and the benefits of them. Milt, a great cup week. There's a lot of fun that goes along with that. I know it's a little bit different this year, but I think of all the great times seeing you. And I will say, uh, not only the greatest receiver in Blue Bomber history, but our 
greatest designated driver in Grey Cup week history. Uh, you were always there to lend a hand. Uh, what's Grey Cup like for you? And uh, what do you have going on with TSN coming up over the next few days heading into the big game on Sunday? Well, you know, I, I'm not much one to go out much. It's, it's dip. When you look this good, you just can't go out all the time. It's it's the gift and the curse. So Sanchez is all I'm, – I'm basically the designated driver for Sanchez a lot. So Sanchez and I, you know, we may go out to eat. I know uh, the entire TSN crew, we may go out to eat tomorrow. But for the most part, I'm, I'm still the same. I don't go out much. Uh, as you mentioned, there are not many uh, because of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, not much going on. Uh, like it usually is and doing great cups, but there's still some things going on. But for the most part, I'm relaxing, you know, in, in my hotel room. I may go for a walk or do, you know, do something like that. But for the most part, I'm right here uh, just enjoying my, my free time by myself. What about on game day, though? I mean, I imagine it's going to be a very busy work week for you. I mean, this is the biggest week in the oh, year yeah, for yeah, the yeah, Canadian yeah, no, Football no, League. No, yeah, yeah, our week uh, really gets hectic starting Friday from Monday the Thursday, we're basically doing one or two hits a week. But starting Friday, we start putting in six, seven-hour days. And Saturday and Sunday, we're basically working maybe 10 to 8. And on Sunday, it's even maybe even longer. So during starting the weekend comes around, that's when we, our, our work days really get hectic. But it's fun. It's, I, it's hard for me to call it work. You know, I've never worked a day in my life. I played football, and now I get paid for talking about football. So I've been really fortunate uh, as far as how I make a living. Uh, I've been really blessed when it comes to that. Amen to that. We won't uh, we won't kneel you for a pick because I'm sure uh, you'll have to do that on TSN ah. as we get closer to game time. Ah. But the last question <laughs> for you is, for Bomber fans that are watching Winnipeg Sports Talk right now that are excited for the game, how confident should Winnipeg be going into this game considering what they've done through this season, the way they won on Sunday, um, and of course the way they dominated this team two years ago in the Grey Cup? Confident, but cautious. Be confident, but be cautious. Good reason to be confident. I have no problem with being confident. That's, I think that's the most important trait to being successful. But also be cautious. You just because you did dominate during the regular season, just because you did turn the ball over five or six times, you were able to come out to win, you still have to be cautious. You still have to approach this opponent like it's the most difficult opponent you're ever going to face in your life. If you can do that, I don't see why they, they shouldn't win. As long as they continue doing what they've doing, been doing, and uh, they should win this game. They should win the game, but will they win the game? That remains to be seen because the Hamilton Tiger Cats still are a professional football team. So uh, let's hope and wait and see what happens. Milt, you're the best. Thanks so much for doing this. Have a great week out in Hamilton, and uh, we can't wait to see you and the panel get things ready and uh, the Bombers try and run it back on Sunday afternoon. All right, sounds good. Enjoy the game and stay warm. <laughs> Got it. There he is, the turtle man himself, right, at Milt Stiegel TSN on Twitter. And, of course, Milt and the panel will be a huge part of Grey Cup weekend coming up on TSN. Man, that was a lot of fun. Always great to chat with Milt when it comes, well, anytime, to be honest, but especially when it comes to Grey Cup weekend. You know, I've been paying attention to the chat all afternoon, people thinking about what exactly they need to have on the menu for the game on the weekend. Uh, let me suggest adding to it with uh, maybe a little delivery or pickup from our friends over at Nick and Nicky DQ. I'm not sure if Nick's going to do a special blue blizzard for the weekend, uh, but maybe we'll run that up the flagpole. Um, of course, you'll be able to get those great blizzards. Uh, amazing chicken fingers, which I think might go well with the, uh, with the spread. And of course, burgers, fries, and so much more, including the new Steakhouse Burger. One of four Nick and Nicky DQs is near you, the DQ in Niverville. 
DQ Northgate, the DQ at Polo Park, and of course the DQ on St. Anne's, which is now open year round. And uh, for those of you in the St. Vital area, if you don't want to leave the house, hit up Skip the Dishes, hit up Uber Eats, and get your order in. They'll deliver it right to you. And never mind the blue blizzards. What about a blue bomber DQ cake? Get those orders in right now. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get it ready for you, custom made to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations. Now, there was a ton of Canadian club poured on the weekend, both during the game and I think in celebration afterwards. And as the uh, official sponsor of the Blue Bombers, I would imagine that that is a great time to load up both for the holidays and the Grey Cup at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and some great promotions right now. If you do head into uh, your local Manitoba Liquor Mart right now, you will see great Canadian club um, setups, displays, shall I say, uh, with all sorts of the products there. They'll also be giving away a, a chance to win 5,000 air miles when you pick up the Canadian Club Classic 12-year or the CC Original. And there are also bonus air miles you get on each bottle. And if you uh, have someone that likes grabbing from the top shelf, less than 40 bottles of the limited, super limited edition Canadian Club Chronicles 44-year whiskey available right now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Um, we'll get to our Cool Bet lines in a minute. Um, to finish off the program with our betting partner, Cool Bet Canada. But let's get Michael Remus back in here. Been a very busy show. Awesome to catch up with DB and Hamilton. Some great football and hockey talk with Ken Weeb. And, uh, and of course, finishing strong. The main event of today's show, without a doubt, the turtle man, Milt Stiegel, joining the show, Reem. Yeah, that was pretty fun. I got to apologize. Uh, I got a bit excited. You guys are talking about the Gus bus. And I'm like, hey, I got an idea. And uh, shout out to Brian Aiken, who emailed me this one. Oh, wait. <laughs> so I, I don't know if we can play that one during the Gus bus or I got I got this one here, too. Bravo, Bri. We love you. I don't know which one's which one's better. They're, one of the it's two. It's backing up down the hall. Um, well, we'll see. Not yet. It was, in fact, the uh, the Villy van, I believe someone referred the, to it today the... in chat. Uh, but it's actually coming all the way, I believe, from Laval, Quebec. So that is a long trip for one Villy Hanela to be joining the hockey club. Uh, we'll get more updates on that tomorrow as the Jets get ready to play the Seattle Kraken. I would think it might be more likely that Hanela gets into the game against Vancouver. But you never know. I mean, as Ken mentioned, I mean, it was... Not a good look last night on the blue line without Neil Pionk. And I think we saw how important Pionk is to this blue line. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, whatever they were thinking, moving Logan Stanley over on the side with, uh, with Brandon Dillon just simply didn't work. And they had to go back to plan B. But the fact that plan A wasn't Dillon and Dylan DeMello, what Remus was hoping, Dylan DeMello with Brandon Dillon was a bit of a head scratcher and we'll certainly be following how everything is shaping up for tomorrow's game when we get into uh, into tomorrow's show. Um, Remo, a bunch of other news and notes from the National Hockey League. We didn't spend a lot of time talking about Jason Spezza. Last couple of days we have been, uh, but he got the hammer dropped down on him. Six games from NHL player safety. Uh, and then yet last night, Ian Cole, the five-minute major for kneeing, Maybe because it was called for five minutes and Mark Shifley quickly returned to the game, he only got a $5,000 fine. Yeah, I think it's, you know, as much as you don't like to see it, I think it's pretty clear that the NHL player safety 
hands out their punishments based on the result and not the intent. And Mark Shifley was fine, so Ian Cole gets a game and a $5,000 fine. And Jason Spezza gets six games. I kind of was, you know, if Mark, I always, I base every suspension now on the Mark Shifley suspension. Well, Mark Shifley <laughs> got four for that because that seemed to set a brand new, a brand new precedent in the playoffs. So I thought Spezza was going to get eight. I was, you know, I was happy with six. I thought six was fair. But then Craig Button went on the Jets broadcast yesterday and said uh, Spezza won a lottery ticket by only getting six games. Now, I don't know if he's playing it up for Jets fans. I hope fans. Button drops that take on Overdrive this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's playing it up because he's on like T- uh, TSN 3 with, with Sarah. But, I mean, I kind of agree. I mean, that was a pretty pretty rough hit. Need to, I mean, the Leafs were like arguing that it wasn't kneeing. Spezza has a history. I mean, they don't, I don't think, I think the fact that if you have, don't, or do or don't have a history, I mean, I don't think that plays in. Mark Shifley got four games, so who cares if Spezza's been in the league for 15, you know, 17 years and um, hasn't, you know, hasn't hit a guy before. I mean, he went in there, need a guy in the head who got a concussion, and that guy is no longer playing. So I think six games is is very fair. Um, so we'll see, you know, we'll see what that goes. They're going to appeal it. They're so pissed off. They're like, well, well, if Pionk, you know, if the refs would have called a penalty on Pionk for kneeing, uh, Spezza wouldn't have had to do that. And I was like, well, you know, Spezza really didn't have to go and knee a guy in the head just because they didn't call a penalty. I mean, you can do other things that doesn't involve giving a guy a brain injury. Yeah, uh, quite a wine and cheese party uh, coming out of the yep. center of the universe after Sunday's game. Um, and, uh, well, we'll talk about it probably right up until uh, the 31st of March when these two teams play again, this time in Toronto. Um, speaking of NHL player safety, I, you know, obviously I've been on the air for the last hour. I haven't heard, but Jacob Truba um, just about killed Jujar Kara last night with a hit that, depending on who you talk to, is predatory, it's head first, or it's just a great, clean, hard hit that unfortunately ended up with the player being stretchered off the ice. What do you think happens here? Seems like, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have been like, oh man, that was a great hit. That was the biggest hit. It reminds me of, you know, Scott Stevens on uh, like Shane Willis or Brian Campbell on RJ Umberger. And to be honest, I like I think it was a clean hit, but I think the result is a guy ended up on a stretcher. And I again, I'm going back to the Mark Shafley hit. Well, Mark Shafley could have played, just you know, gone and tried to play the puck. And and I thought the Mark Shafley hit at the time was was a clean hit, but they gave him four games. And now, I mean, Truba could have gone in and played the puck. I mean, just because a guy's got his head down doesn't mean you have to kill him. I mean, uh, you look at NFL; they're getting rid of. They have this defenseless receiver. You can't hit a defenseless receiver. Maybe they should have that in the NHL. You don't have to go. And just truck a guy, um, so I, I mean I, I don't I don't think anything's gonna happen. Maybe nothing should, but maybe you know you should deter guys from you know trying to put a guy in the hospital and you know maybe just do a nice nice clean body. There's there's some debate if his shoulder got Kyra's head. I mean his head his head was down, but um, you know I think at some point yeah. his head did get it, but I don't yeah. think that it was the, the initial point of contact yeah. or the principal point of contact, if we're manually, I mean, uh, listen, I think they basically just have to say, you can't hit guys in the head. I mean, you know, but having, yeah. you know, and, 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 you know, we've already seen behavior changing over the last number of years from what it used to be. Um, you know what, if you have to do a cross body block WWE style, I mean, you do that, but if they want to protect the players and they don't want to have into this, well, was he hurt? You know, this, you know, back and forth contact to the head being a penalty. They've got that at other levels of hockey. 
Um, if they do that, I think these conversations mm. will be limited. It'll probably be a safer place for the game. But I'm not sure the National Hockey League wants to take out the biggest hits. Mm. They just like to kind of have their cake and eat it to it sometimes. And uh, yeah. unfortunately for Carl last night, he got absolutely blown up. And I mean, I didn't think that Jacob Truba went in there with the intention of putting him onto a stretcher, although that's the way it ended up. No, I don't think so. And I think that's the result. And I see a lot of people saying, if you take that out... They're not going to be any any hitting anymore. Are we going to take hitting out of hockey? I mean, you can hit a guy and not put him in the hospital. I think we can all all agree on that. Maybe it's going to happen, um, but I think the result there was pretty bad. You don't want to see that. He has a history of concussions, but I don't. I mean, I don't know if you can like. What are you going to suspend him for hitting too hard? I don't think that's that's a rule. And it wasn't directly in the head. Maybe he clipped him in the head, and his head did hit the ice. It was um, really unfortunate. But you don't want to. Maybe that's just you know the cost of doing business when you when you play in the NHL, but you'd prefer that it wasn't. Hey, uh, you know, before we finish up, uh, and we'll get to the cool bet lines in just a second, can we talk about the Mr. Booth troll tweet yesterday at the end of oh. the program? Um, yes. You know, this was art. So much talk about the Spezza suspension, and the, the entire Leaf Nation had been losing it for two days leading into the announcement. And noted internet prankster out of Vancouver, I believe, Mr. Booth, decided to drop this tweet out as NHL player safety. Now, again, folks, pay attention. Don't get booth by any sort of trickster online. Pay attention to the blue check mark. He had changed his name and his icon to that of NHL player safety, but it still said Mr. Booth 7. And uh, there it is. You see, Jason Spezza has been suspended 12 games for kneeing Winnipeg's Neil Pionk. Now, that in itself whatever, just trying to, you know, grind people out like, oh my God. But the true art in all of this is when you click the link, the NHL.com news and what comes up, Maple Leafs devastated after game seven lost to Canadians. <laughs> I laughed so hard and I knew full well that this was a joke tweet, but I was wondering what was linked in there. And I mean, you want to talk about a dig to the uh, to the Leafs fans. Um, you know what? There hasn't been a lot of wins out of Vancouver this year, but I'll tell you what, that was a huge W for Mr. Booth, who boothed the entire Maple Leafs nation and even just gave a great laugh to people like us who knew full well it was baloney, but uh, had a good laugh at it. Yeah, I mean, he had his um, picture the same as player safety when he tweeted it and renamed it from Mr. Booth to like NHL player safety, so... It was pretty clear it was a troll tweet, but it doesn't make it any less funny. You, you have the picture, you say, he's, and you know, Leafs fans, I mean, it got, what, it got so much engagement. This is how you act as an internet prankster. Now, some people, I think, took this, there's some people online who took this way too seriously and don't have yeah, a sense of humor. Yeah, they got And they got, they got booth. So I thought this was hilarious. We need more of this. Um, this is very well done and, um, and in good taste. So... I'm all for, you know, trolling. Uh, they're still they're still angry, Leafs fans, about this, oh. like, days later. And they will be for a while. Yeah. Uh, let's check the cool bet lines before we finish up. Grey Cup odds, uh, the lines dropped. You can get the Bombers at minus 3.5 right now. Minus 110. Let's see where the money line's at. Money line unchanged from yesterday. Bombers still at minus 185. And the Hamilton Tiger Cats plus 150. Uh, the total for the game is is at 44 right now. I still sort of like the 43 and a half, the over. Yesterday it was at minus 110. Now it's at minus 115. Uh, but if you like my 44 
over, it's minus 110. If you don't mind the extra half point, you get a bit better of a number at minus 105. Pay attention to Coolbet heading into the weekend uh, as they'll have plenty more player props and other betting options for the big game. Tonight in the National Hockey League, uh, we have, what, four games Philly at New Jersey. Jersey, a minus 149 uh, favorite. You got Mike Yo on the bench for the Flyers after Lane Vigneault got fired. See if there may be a bounce back game from Philly. Uh, Rangers, home dog, plus 139, hosting the Colorado Avalanche, who've been steamrolling for the last three weeks. And uh, old friends meet up again in Vancouver. The Boston Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks. Canucks plus 130 underdogs to Boston. And then the final game, Dallas, who's just been phenomenal over the past few weeks. I think they won eight in a row, plus 127, taking on the Vegas Golden Knights at minus 149. If you've never bet a cool bet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. And uh, Remo, before we finish up, I want to give a shout out. If anyone is out at the ice game tonight, pop by and say hi. Um, this is the matchup we've been talking about for a few weeks. The Edmonton Oil Kings coming to town to take on the Winnipeg Ice. We talked about the big trade yesterday, uh, but this two-game series, the Ice were, uh, the uh, sorry, the uh, the Oil Kings were the only team in the first, what, two months of the season to beat the Ice. That was in Edmonton, um, but the top two teams in the league going at it tonight and Saturday. It's going to be a hell of a series, and I'm really looking forward to getting to the Ice Cave tonight. Yeah, I've never uh, never seen it. We'll take a take a good look. So uh, this is uh, pretty exciting stuff going on. If you don't like what we saw last night from the Jets, uh, I see Joe from Winnipeg and Chad is always touting the Moose, who are going to be going with a different look. What they don't have Billy Hanel on the, the ice, ice. ice. Well, sorry, the Moose. As I'm going to say, the Moose and the Ice. Ah, oh, got you. Two other Tonight. teams. When you know Winnipeg's got three teams now. Yes, but tonight it's tonight. the Ice Cave, yes. not the Moose. So um, yes. uh, govern yourselves accordingly and maybe join us down there. It should be great. WinnipegIce.ca for tickets and more information. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. We'll be able to talk about it tomorrow. We'll be getting ready for the uh, first of two Jets games on the road. The first ever game between the Jets and the Seattle Kraken tomorrow night. And much more on the Grey Cup, including a visit from, you know it, Troy Westwood. Westy coming on the program tomorrow. We'll also have Bubba O'Neill from Hamilton, and we'll get ready for this Jets trip with Marat Atesh. Thanks so much to everyone that joined us today. Do us a favor if you're with us. Uh, we've still got you know tons of people in that I don't think have hit the like button. Give us that thumbs up. Helps us spread the channel. And if you haven't already, make sure you hit the red subscribe button. Um, coming up tomorrow, as I mentioned, we'll have Westy on the program, Bubba O'Neill, as well as Murata Tesh. And uh, as far as tonight goes, we'll take a look at this ice game down at the Ice Cave and uh, hope that the Winnipeg Jets can get it back on the right track. And of course, we'll have more on Billy Hanel and what the situation is for him on this road trip, potentially getting a road trip, potentially getting into one of these two games in Seattle or Vancouver. Big thanks to Darren Bombing from Bonfire Sports, the great Milt Stiegel, and of course our pal Ken Weave for joining us today, and all of our sponsors, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. Folks, have a great night tonight. We'll see you tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk with a packed show counting down to the Grey Cup and getting ready for the Jets' first ever game against the Seattle Kraken. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you tomorrow on WST. Oh, my God! Oh! So
for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.